I don't feel tardy. Yeah, my phone's on time, so it doesn't matter. Alright, let's go. Hey everyone, welcome to the Significant Strike Podcast. We're recording a day late, and for the first time it's my fault and not Val's. <laughs> I am your host, Soft Weekly. With me, as always, is our expert handicapper, Val Dwyer, and our special special guest, Mike from Strong and Shit. I lost it. Strong and Jacket. Strong and Jacket, UFC picks. That's correct. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Yes, sir. I'm doing great. Um, I had a great time joining you guys last week to break down that main event. Um, I've been looking forward to getting back together with you guys and taking a look at the rest of this card. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. You you offered. Yeah, you had insight. It It was nice. We appreciate it. Awesome. Val, where do you want to start tonight? I know you usually have an order. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm just going with the order listed here, but I also know Mike wants to talk about some fights that I wasn't necessarily gonna, although I I know I can talk about them with him. But we're gonna start with the first one on the prelims: Jordan, the Monkey King Levitt versus Claudio Puelles. All right, let's let's do it this way. If there's a fight you want to skip, and that's one Mike wants to talk about, we'll we'll insert it right there. I already talked to him about this, so we're good. All right, all right, cool. Let's go. So yeah, I, I mean, yeah, Mike, what's what's your thoughts? All right, well, I've had this first fight I kind of had circled on, on the card as soon as I took a look. Uh, we've got Jordan Levitt. Um, a lot of people are really high on him. He's a big prospect. He comes out of the syndicate gym. Um, he won a quick finish on the Contender Series last summer um, against what I thought was kind of a shaky opponent. Um, he came in in his debut this past winter. Uh, he got a quick win against Matt Matt Wyman. Uh, he pretty much just picked him up right away, slammed him. Wyman landed pretty funny on his neck. I think he got a little injured. Uh, the fight got stopped right away. Um, this guy, Levitt, he's got a very heavy top game. If he gets on top of you, he's going to smother you. Um, he's got a solid submission game. Um, he's been able to pretty easily submit the level of competition he's been fighting in his career so far. Um, but he doesn't do much else very well, in my opinion. Um, when we look at his opponent, Claudio Puelles, uh, this is a guy who's about the same age, but he's been in the UFC for three, four years already. This is a guy who was fought, fighting on the Ultimate Fighter at age 19. Um, however, he hasn't fought since before COVID. He's been off for a few years. Um, he is coming off consecutive wins. One of those wins was a comeback um, submission win against Felipe Silva in a fight where he was getting beat pretty badly, but he ended up pulling off the W at the end. Um, he's got good BJJ. Uh, neither one of these guys is a great striker, but when I look at Levitt, he kind of seems lost at times on his feet. Uh, he's got decent kicks, but I don't think he's the kind of guy who wants to stay on his feet for very long. Um, Puelles has some decent combos. Um, he's got a nasty head kick. He has a KO by head kick. The question really with Puelles is... Has he improved? He hasn't fought since he's been 22, 23 years old. He's been hanging out at Sanford MMA gym. Um, he might be primed to really be making some big leaps since he was last seen um, a few years ago. Uh, but this pick, I'm going to be going with Puelas here as the underdog for 
about a half unit, maybe a little more. We're going to see where the line ends. But this is going to be more of a pick against Levitt. I'm just not convinced yet that Levitt can go deep in the UFC. Um, one of his last six fights has gone over seven minutes. The rest of them have either been first-round finishes or one of them, I think, went a minute into the second round here. Um, Puelas likely won't be subbed as easily as the level of competition Levitt's faced so far. Um, you know, I know Levitt, a lot of people look at him as a really good prospect. He might come in here and impress. He might prove me wrong. But at the end of the day, I'm not willing to pay at this time over minus 200 price tag to find out if Levitt's the real deal. I think there's a lot of value on Puelas here as a dog. So I'm going to be making a play of, like I said, half unit, 0.6 units on him at the end of the day. I haven't locked it in yet because the line's still moving. It's gone up north of plus 170 today, so yep. we're going to wait to see where that lands. But I'm on Puelas here. I, I, best, best out there right now is plus 174 on sports bet. Yeah. It's about right. plus 165, plus 170 most places. I do kind, yeah, of, I'm, I do kind of like the idea of um, um, betting against the hype on the favorite. You know what I mean? Because I think there's a lot of times when these fights come up, there's too much hype on the favorite, and it's just not warranted. Yeah, yes. I, was ready, I was ready to do that with Minon um, Fioro, too, also in this card. Um, she was coming in, and she's still on the card as a big favorite, but um, she's got a last-minute replacement now. She was supposed to fight yeah. uh, Marina Moroz originally, which, I mean, Mor- Moroz has fought a laundry list of big names. Unfortunately, that one got scrapped, but I looked at that as pretty much the same situation. I'm yeah, uh, yeah, that fight. Yeah, I'm not going to pay a premium to see if this guy's the real deal or not. So, Right. Yeah, that, I think that it, fight's been uh, pretty much scrapped. Uh, there's only uh, Sportsbook is the only uh, no, place that's yeah, posting it, ads now. It's totally scrapped. Yeah, it, it's, look at the, it's off. Yeah. Look, at that, look at the fight center on topology. Um, yeah, so I, I, I was definitely, after that slam KO by Matt Wyman and the like the viral hype it got, I mean, it wasn't like super viral like Buckley or anything. But it, it got posted around and people were like, ooh, Jordan Levitt. But I mean, it was a good slam. He framed with his forearm to drive Wyman's head into the into the uh, floor. But, like, it's still not a thing. I'm not going to call it fluke. But, but I'm not, it's not a thing that's going to happen often. Like, you can't p- pick him to replicate that performance in his UFC debut. But it's still going to be reflected in the line, Yeah, driving it up to around minus 200 on Levitt here. So, I, I yeah, I really agree. I mean, just based on... Uh, buying, buying low are, are, are on the opponent. Uh, I like that. Right. And, and I think, I think it's uh, probably going to be, I mean, it could be one of those where the BJJ cancels out and they both strike. And in that case, I definitely like Puelas. If it's on the floor, it'll be very close with BJJ. And yeah, so I, I agree. I, I mean, I don't have it as a play specifically just because there's unknowns. I feel like with Puelas not fighting, at, uh, for, uh, it's been like a year and a half. And then before that, a year and then before that two years but he definitely has the skills and um yeah yeah i, I agree I, I see where you got the value there yeah i think i think there's value it's uh let's say it's just hovering at 170 across all the books and i think that's a you know pretty good especially like mike said for half a unit that's a that's a decent bet i feel like <clears throat> yeah so on to the uh, second prelim yusuf zalal Versus Sean Woodson, interesting one here. I think it's a decent fight, decent prelim fight. I mean, Zal has good Muay Thai 
and some decent jujitsu. Sean Woodson is one of the tallest, longest featherweights ever. Maybe the tallest, longest. He's six two with a seventy nine inch reach. Yeah, which is incredible. Um, <laughs> but he but he fell short last time as a minus five hundred favorite against Julian Arosa, who's a good fighter. Um, I know you have some thoughts on this one. Uh, I uh, well, I should point out that I thought the uh, a lot of people seem to be on the law. The line's gone from. What was it? Like it was like plus one eighty. Yeah, plus one eighty seven. Now down to minus one sixty, minus yeah, one fifty five range. Five dimes. He started out at plus two hundred. Yeah. So what do you got here, Mike? Yeah. So this line has bounced around a little bit, but um, I do have a play on this one. I'm starting this card hot. Um, I am going to have a little bit of a boring spell with a lot of passes in the middle here, but I like Woodson here. When we look at Woodson, we're talking about a guy who has an amateur boxing career to the tune of a 46 and three record. So the striking pedigree is there. Like Val just said, he's extremely long for the division. I mean, at 145, this guy's 6'2", with a 79-inch reach, which is going to be um, at least a 4-inch advantage in both of those areas. Um, but he's not just a boxer. He's not just a striker. He's been developing his martial arts game um, throughout his career. He's improving his kicking game. He's got some pretty good kicks. Uh, very dangerous knees. That's probably most realistic path to a finish is catching somebody with one of those nasty knees right up the middle. And yeah, he is coming off his first career loss to Julian Arosa. Not a, you know, it's not a bad loss. Arosa is a good fighter, you know, even though Woodson was a big favorite in that fight. Um, you know, Arosa subbed him late. Woodson was out striking him, whatever that's worth in the fight. Um, Woodson is pretty solid takedown defense. He's about 70%. You know, I'd have to think if you go in and you catch one of those knees, you're probably not going to be chomping at the bit to shoot on him again. Um, you know, so I'm not sure if Zalal can get, is going to be able to get close enough to get the takedown on him. Zalal's a guy who had a lot of hype last year, late summer, early fall, because he came in and he started 3-0. and I was, I was high on him. Uh, you know, he beat Austin Lingo, Jordan Griffin, Peter Barrett. Peter Barrett doesn't deserve to be anywhere near a UFC cage, to yeah. be honest, in my opinion. Jordan um, Griffin's not bad. That's that's not, the one I look at as he's not being a decent win, but he's not great. Right, I agree with you there. Um, so you know he starts three and zero. He looks great. He's got a you know fun personality. I was buying this lull hype. Next up, he faces Typuria. Really you know, good there's fighter. no there's no shame in losing to Typuria. Typuria, a lot of people think might have championship aspirations. He's one of those yeah. great Georgian fighters, but a lot, of, a lot of them out there. But uh, you know. Typeria did whatever he wanted in the first two rounds of that fight and, and basically cruised to a victory. Um, the next fight for Zalal, he fought Choi. This is the fight I think we really have to take a look at because Choi is a long fighter. He's similar to Woodson. Um, he likes to box. He likes to strike. And when Choi was on, wanted to stay on his feet and strike in that fight, he was pretty much doing whatever he wanted to to Zalal. And he's almost like a poor man's Woodson, Choi is. So... I look at that, and I have trouble thinking that Woodson won't have success here. Um, I haven't completely closed the door on Zalal. You know, he hasn't lost to a bad fighter yet. You know, Taipuri and Choi, those aren't terrible losses. Um, but Zalal, I think he's the kind of guy, he's good pretty much everywhere. He's pretty versatile, but he's great in nowhere. He doesn't have that one yeah. skill where he's going to take over a fight For sure. and just, you know, come back. Neither of these guys are finishers. I think this is almost certainly going to be going to a decision. Um, Zalal went all in trying to finish Peter Barrett, who is not a UFC fighter, like I said, in my opinion. And he yeah. couldn't get the finish there. Um, 
I'm playing Woodson. I think I locked it in for a unit at minus 175. Um, if you're scared off by that price, I don't hate Woodson by decision. Um, whatever that's at, probably I think plus 160 or so now. Um, the over is not an option here because that's probably up near minus 300. But I like Woodson to get the victory in this one. Well, that's and I'm a, making a play yes, for one. So the over is minus two fifty. Goes the distance minus two ten, and um, goes the distance. I'll get back to you on that. Yeah, okay. it, it, and minus one seventy five is a good play because it opened at around two fifty, two sixty, depending on where you looked. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, when I so when it's come your in, way a lot. Because yeah, I would, I, I wouldn't in, play it for two sixty. Right. Oh, I didn't um, mean to yeah. cut you off. Go ahead. No, I was saying when I locked in that 175, it was on its way up. Uh, I'm fine with that. That's a little higher than I love to do for a straight play, but I'm okay. I feel, yeah. you know, I won't be shocked if Zalal comes out here and looks great. But the way I look at it, I think Woodson's going to have the advantage here. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I... I Oh, go I ahead, Val. see where you're getting value from. Also, Woodson, by decision, the best is plus 140, which isn't great for a prop. You know, prop, yeah. you know, I can have it higher. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from here. My only concern, really, is Zalal's ground game and the fact that Woodson got subbed in his last fight yeah, by Darshok, which Zalal has one of on his resume. I mean, it's just that that could be coincidence, but Zalal has decent jujitsu. I worry with Zalal, I, one thing, this is just purely anecdotal, but... I bet on him. I can't even remember which fight. It might have been against Jordan Griffin, and he was doing great in the kickboxing, and then he started striking with... He was doing great in the kickboxing, and then he started trying to wrestle him, and he couldn't get top control consistently. I'm like, stop wrestling him. Just keep hitting him. You're hitting him well. Yeah, I see some IQ um, IQ deficiencies with Zalal. He doesn't seem... He's very... He's really young. He just doesn't seem to have the smartest approach at this point. So, I agree. And, And he wasn't able to get solid control, but he still does have pretty slick BJJ. Um... Yep. And Woodson, so I, I I don't have a play on this because, I mean, Woodson's last fight scared me off where um, Arosa was able to make adjustments after getting jabbed up so bad. I mean, Woodson's jab is a lot to like when it's a jab and straight punches. I really like that. But when Arosa made some adjustments between rounds and came out getting into the pocket, he was able to dirty box him, clinch him, clinch, hit him with clinched knees to, to win back that second round. And then one one going into the third. Rosa got knocked down, but then jumped up, uh, got a takedown easier than he should have, considering uh, Woodson's height, which it helps a lot with his takedown defense. But Trips is where he's vulnerable to takedowns, which I, I haven't seen. Um, I don't think I've seen Zalal use Trips in his uh, you know Muay Thai sweeps or anything like that in his fights, but it's always a possibility. So yeah, just that's the one thing that scares me off. But I, I mean, Woodson, there's a lot to like the amateur boxing career, which. He was going to turn pro, and then a car act, he had a car accident, which uh, I, I don't know the details, but that uh, shook his dream of going pro. Um, he's coached by James Krause. James Krause has been – most of his fighters have won this year. I, I saw a stat, like, a month ago that he was, like, 10-1. and I knew he's had a fighter lose since then, but then, like, one or two more win. So James Krause coached fighters are doing really well this year. like them a lot. And yeah, just, just yeah, just Woodson's length. He he uses it well with that uh, boxing background. He he knows how to use it. Knows how to build off that jab. Um, he doesn't have power, like you said. He's not gonna get knockouts much. Although he like the knees pitch out there because he has the one knockout by flying knee on the contender series. But yeah, yeah he's he's gonna jab most people up and keep them from getting into the pocket. But if they do get into the pocket, then it gets tougher from him. But his de- I like his defense too. 
He has a lot of head movement and shoulder rolls, which the shoulder rolls help. Shoulder rolls have their issues in MMA because of the smaller gloves, but he's taller, so he, the shoulder rolls are much more effective for him than other guys. He's, like, he's what, four inches on Zalal in height yeah. and I think four or five in reach. So, yeah, I definitely understand this. Um, I've seen a lot of people on Dog and other forums be on Zalal, which I didn't agree with, so I've been watching this line, and it's I, I'm not betting it yet because of my concern about Woodson's last fight in the ground game, but if it keeps going down, I, I will have to take a serious look at it. Yeah, that's just my two cents to throw in. Uh, and we've we've all mentioned his reach, but uh, for people that aren't familiar, like seventy nine inch reach in that division is long. That's very long. It's an anomaly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so uh, okay. I mean, convert it to to feet. Seventy nine inches is six foot seven inches in featherweight. Where most guys don't top six feet. As long as five foot ten. Yeah. Woods himself is six foot two. That's five inches of extra reach on top of his height. A lot of his top of and, most of his opponent's height. And his legs are extremely yeah. long, so I don't yeah. have to reach figures in front of me. But he is, I mean, he's lanky. That that reminds me of one more my, my other concern about Woodson is leg kicks. I feel like because he is he is so tall that he has no meat on his bones really. Yeah, his he's got two. So, he's so got skinny. toothpicks down there. <laughs> yeah, Erosa. I mean, he didn't stick with it, but he did some damage with leg kicks early. Um, so was, I mean, Woodson was able to just jab him up and push him back. But uh, yeah, I I just worry about a fighter who come in heavy using those leg kicks could do some damage. So I haven't seen Zalal take a leg kick heavy approach. So yeah. All right. All right, moving on. What do we have next? We have Ale- uh, well, Menyon Firo versus Tabitha Riki, which Firo is like a minus 500 favorite or something, which is probably deserved. Tabitha Riki's, like, this is a debut fight for her in the UFC. She's some Brazilian regional prospect. And Firo, she had an impressive win. She She's fun. She's a fun women's MMA fighter. She's violent. She goes out there strong. I, I, I liked your analysis of... Uh, what her fight versus Moreau's would have looked like, or your your thoughts on how that would have went down and that Firo was being overvalued. Um, but yeah, so on to Alan Patrick versus Mason... Unless you have anything you want to say about this prelim fight, Firo no, versus I mean, No, I mean... I really haven't even done gotcha. any work on the replacement yeah. there. I know I mean, Firo. Yeah, she's that's she's another hot newcomer. She hasn't really faced much tough competition. I, I figured she, yeah. if she's facing a real UFC fighter, she might be in trouble. Like here she is facing a fighter who's probably right. Yeah, this is a UFC caliber at best. Yeah, you know nothing that's a pass. about. So yeah, um, if re- so, yeah, wait, it, right. But I just want to say, like, because uh, it's the UFC, if Ricci ends up winning it, well, I'll go holy shit. But uh, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. But no one's going to put any money on this fight. That's why the lines yeah. are what they are. The yeah. the overs at plus money, which you don't always see in a women's fight, but yeah, Fiora yeah. is a is a knockout specialist. So yeah, which is rare, especially will. at flyweight. Yeah, I mean, there's honestly more finishers at strawweight than flyweight. Flyweight's such a weak <laughs> division for women's MMA. At least at strawweight, you have people like Rose and uh, and Zhang Wei Li and Marina Rodriguez. But yeah, all right, on to the next. Alan Patrick versus Mason Jones. Mason Jones is fun. He's really fun. He, I mean, he just puts his foot on the gas and goes. He has a lot of great tools. He throws combos in bunches. He's really, really physical, really effective with that physicality. I mean, he has a lot of knockouts. Granted, they, I mean, they were in, uh, lesser, yeah, I mean, cage, they weren't 
all in the UFC. Obviously, with Cage Warriors is a decent promotion. He has a couple yeah. decisions, but Cage Warriors is, is solidly in that B tier, yeah, right below he, LFA. Yeah, probably. that's a that's a decent tier. Yeah, and I mean, he he was and not only was he in Cage Warriors, he was the double champion Cage Warriors. He, he had two title fights, both first round knockouts. He knocked out Joe McColgan to get the um uh, to what was it? It was I think I don't think McColgan was the champ. I think that was just. Uh, for the vacant title, and then he moved up to welterweight and knocked out the number one contender there, Adam Proctor, who was way bigger than him. That was a really impressive one. Proctor was huge. Like Proctor was a big welterweight, and Mason Jones was a medium sized lightweight. Although he looked, I, I mean, it wasn't that much time, but he looked a lot bigger in his UFC debut versus Mike Davis than he did in, in those Cage Warriors fights in 2020. Um, but yeah, he comes into UFC. His debut is against Mike Davis, who's one of my favorite unsung fighters he's just so much he's mike davis has never had a boring fight he he's he's a physical monster he just throws bombs all the time um but mason jones has he lost that fight but he put a, he put a good account of himself considering the competition he was facing he's uh he has a bjj judo and kickboxing black belt he was he has pro boxing on his resume he had something like 30 pro uh pro fights or was that amateur fights? I don't, I don't remember. I don't look into boxing for this, but he does, you can see it in his hands. Um, he tends to throw combos in bunches at random though. Like, I would like to see a bit more purpose with his strikes when he throws in combos, but I do like his jab when he uses that. Uh, I, I gush about jabs on the show all the time, but yeah, he closes range really well with his jab I and mean, he eats up the range and gets into the pocket. Um, he, he throws low kicks and low kicks to end combos, which again, I love. His main problem is his chin that he leaves, he leaves not all the way up in the air, but wide open. His hands just aren't near enough to his face and his chin is just there to be hit, especially when he's on the offensive, which he's almost always on the offensive. Um, and sometimes he'll do, uh, if you guys know Rod Tang, uh, the one championship Muay Thai guy, He'll just let, Mason Jones will just let himself get hit on the chin and just go, you know, like, he has that supreme confidence in his chin, which hasn't failed him yet, but, you know, at some point, it always will for these guys that don't protect their head. Uh, we'll see one of those later on the card, um, in, um, shoot, in Dusko Todorovic, who just leaves his head there and got knocked out for the first time in his last fight. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that is wor- a worry, but... Alan Patrick isn't the biggest puncher. I don't think Patrick's gonna, you know, knock him out or anything. Patrick's more of a jujitsu guy and a erratic, lanky, striking guy. Yeah, so, uh, Mason Jones, one of his big problems also is spinning. He, he's one of these young guys that is like, oh, I'm gonna get the highlight reel finished by spinning. And then he just spins and he can get clinched or taken down that way. But that's something I really look for Alan Patrick to do. Because if Alan Patrick gets this on the ground, even with Mason Jones's jiu-jitsu black belt which i haven't seen much of and when i have seen him on the ground like versus mike davis he wasn't impressive he wasn't able to you know really get him off or anything uh like mike davis took him down relatively easier even though mike davis caught kicks that he threw which that's a thing also a thing i'm gonna look for for alan patrick to take uh mason jones down catching kicks which uh like the low kick or even body kicks i mean body kicks or even low kicks I, I think Alan Patrick can get him on the ground, and once it's on the ground, like I said, I, I like Patrick in this. Um, and, and just in, for regular takedowns also, he let Mike Davis way too deep on his hips a few times, and he got out, well, several times. He got out a few of those times, but he got taken down a few of them too. 
like maybe he's that confident in his jiu-jitsu like Oliveira or Ortega or Maya where he doesn't worry about ta- being taken down but if he is that confident he shouldn't be because he's unproven there um, or maybe it's just bad wrestling defense and in the clinch which is another place I'll look for Patrick to take him down from he doesn't try to defend you know even if he someone has a collar tie on him uh, double collar tie he'll just throw uppercuts at them so and he's been I've seen him get hit with some strong knees while he's throwing uppercuts so those uppercuts are powerful he lands with power uh, it, it that could be one way to lead to him getting taken down or hit with knees which uh Greek that's one of his techniques is getting that collar tie uh, because of his you know these Brazilian guys who do jiu-jitsu they obviously have Muay Thai as their striking base and yeah so Mason Jones overall powerful puncher a uh, bit lackluster defense but he's a good finisher and he has supposed jiu-jitsu but I haven't seen it um, meanwhile Patrick he's he's one of these older guys who's been around for a while I mean he had some time off um, he had he fought once last year against Bobby Green lost unanimous decision and but before that didn't fight for two years when he fought Scott Holtzman lost um, got knocked out in round three or TKO'd in round three because Scott Holtzman had him in, had him mounted before that three fight win streak Demir Hadzovic and Stevie Ray pretty good wins and Damian Brown and before that Marbeck Taitsumov so those are his only three losses Holtzman Green and Taitsumov which is good opposition Right, I mean, it, those are those are lightweight mainstays, and Tysonov especially is like one of the unsung best guys at lightweight who's just been a mainstay there for a while. Yeah, my my one color I was going to add to this fight is uh, I like Patrick, and part of it is because he beat my boy Stevie Ray. You know, I'm uh, you know I'm yeah. pretty good with the Dinky Ninjas guys, and uh, Stevie Ray is one hell of a boxer. You know what I mean, and Patrick. Yeah. Patrick worked him, dude. He did. He hung yeah. in there and he worked him. And I, I just feel like this is his fight right here. I really do. Yeah, I mean the the odds aren't are, are definitely favoring him. I mean Patrick is plus two fifty, and that's the main reason I like him. But also, I just think if he gets this to the ground, it's his fight to dominate. I worry about him standing because I mean, like Mason Jones, he does leave his chin out there a little bit, but. Like he, if he gets it to, the, I just keep saying if he gets it to the ground, I think it's his to do. I mean, he's smothered some of these guys that we're talking about, just absolutely smothered them. He, he drowned Hadzovic. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a great for, fight, dude. That was very impressive. Yeah, yeah and I mean Hadzovic is good. We were supposed to see him uh, two weeks ago. Hopefully, we, we will again soon. Uh, but that's off topic. Um, so yeah, striking. Uh, Patrick's a southpaw. He does the Charles Oliveira thing, which is use his length and use teep kicks to keep his opponents going backwards and then surge into them against the clinch, get down on the single or double leg, or get, get some kind of trip. Um, and, and, and it works. It's not as effective as Charles Oliveira, but he's not nearly as good as Charles Oliveira as a striker. He's much more rudimentary and just less less skilled, less technical. Um, and sometimes he throws wild spinning capoeira stuff, which I've never seen pay off for him. But <laughs> it, his, his it pays off movement, for very few people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mason just does the same thing, not capoeira, but spinning back fists and the like. Um, yeah, I mean, just on the feet. He moves in erratic patterns. He's just all over the place, so it's kind of hard to time him. I, I do worry that he can get caught and knocked out. But 
if he gets this to the ground, he'll be all over Mason Jones like like a wet blanket. He can get on your back really quickly. He has long, long spindly legs. He has the cardio to keep up his takedown and grappling game. Um, he, he passes guards with ease. He, if he gets on your back, all you can do is hand fight, like like uh, that happened to Hadzovic in their fight. Hadzovic, all he, he all he could do was just keep the hands fighting. He didn't even have time to think about you know getting rid of those hooks or getting rid of the body triangle yeah, when he had it. Nine of his fifteen wins are by decision, so he's yeah he he wants to take you into the deep water. Yeah, you know? it is interesting. I mean, I talk about his jujitsu, which he has good jujitsu, but he does ha, doesn't have a UFC submission, which that interests me. I mean, he has um one finish in the UFC by punches in his debut back in 2013, but he is mostly a decision guy. Um, so yeah, that, that is worrying when you're betting on a jiu-jitsu guy, but I mean, looking at his opponents that he's beat, John McDessey, Stevie Ray, Demir Hadzovic, uh, good strikers, I mean, yeah. just good all-around guys, and then his losses are only to that, you know, top 25, 30 level, Tyson right. Green and Holtzman. Yeah, uh, which is I, no shame in losing to Holtzman yeah. and Green. yeah. And yeah, I think I think I mean Mason Jones hasn't been tested in three rounds really because he knocks people out so often. Um, I mean he has a couple of decisions on his record, but not against the guy who's going to grapple him like this. Mike Davis, I, I watched watched the Mike Davis fight closely to see if Mason Jones would gas, and he didn't. His volume, which is high in the first round, it slowed down, of course, in the second and third, but he didn't gas. But he wasn't wrestled or grappled that much. Alright, so, yeah, for this Patrick fight, I've got Patrick for half a unit. I just see value in this line here. Um, yeah, as simple as that. Uh, so bet on Patrick for half a unit. Um, we got some technical difficulties. Sorry if that sounds disjointed. But yeah, on Patrick, half a unit. Okay. Um, <laughs> Mike, Mike, so just, did you have any thoughts on this fight, Mike? Um, not much. This one's going to be a pass for me. Um, you look at Mason Jones, and the interesting thing about Jones is that he lost his debut against Davis, which was a great fight, fight of the night, you know, fan favorite fight of the year. Um, but in defeat, he gained much fanfare. Everyone was clamoring him to fight again. He's back this week. Um, this is a guy who's a two-division cage warrior champ, like Val said. He won both of those belts in style by way of first-round knockout. Um, if you look at some of his earlier fights, he's a really versatile guy. Uh, he can do some damage on the floor. He's got aggressive takedowns when he wants to go that route. Um, takedowns as willingly as certain fighters do you know he can be taken down but he's not just going to settle on the ground like you see with some guys uh, he's much younger than Patrick here um, he might make a good parlay piece if you're desperate to fill your ticket up uh, he's probably going to get the victory but I'm not willing to pay the price at minus 300 that's really wide against a guy like Patrick who's an old crafty grinder you see guys like this, these old Brazilian BJJ guys, and they're the type of dudes who just crush your ticket and tear all your parlays up. So I'm going to take a pass on this one. Alright. Yeah, and so another one of those guys up up here next is uh, Francisco Trinaldo. I mean, he, he's known, known for wrecking prospects. Um, down his list, he has a win over Paul Felder. I mean, he was on like an eight fight, seven fight win streak, and they're like, "All right, Felder, you got to get in there. You got to get in there and stop this guy. We can't have a uh, old thirty uh, eight year old Brazilian who doesn't speak English getting a title shot." And but he beat Paul Felder and then lost to Kevin Lee. He has win win over Yancy Medeiros, Jim Miller, Evan Dunham, and then his last three: Bobby Green, John McDessie, and Jai Herbert, which is the infamous fight where uh, he. 
start Herbert. Herbert fell back, his eyes glazed over, his hand up in the air like he was seeing a ghost. And Herb Dean didn't stop it. Dan Hardy yelled, stop the fight! Oh, yeah. And Herb Dean didn't stop it. And then, uh, reluctantly, to his credit, Trinaldo had to hit him like four times, and then Herb Dean stopped it. It was just bad. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is a fun fight. They're both old. Salikov, 36. Trinaldo, 42. But he's he's still going strong at 42. And, and Salikov's going strong at 36, even though he looked a bit flat in his last fight, though he looked great in the one the three before that, which he's on a four-fight win streak compared to Trinaldo's three-fight win streak. Um, Salikov has a two, uh, two-inch height advantage. Trinaldo's short for 170. I mean, he was short for 155, and he had to move up because that weight cut... Uh, he, he missed weight last time. He weighed in at 160 for 155 bout. Um, but the lack of weight cut could help him. He's always been big, and he's been around forever, like we said. I mean, he fought at middleweight on the Ultimate Fighter Brazil Season 1 back in the day, so it's not crazy to see him at 170. And despite the two-inch height disadvantage, it's a, only a half-inch reach disadvantage for Trinaldo. Um, and, he, and he has power. Like like I said, he's yeah not small for welterweight. He has legit power to definitely, definitely keep up. With someone like uh, Salikov, who also has power in his own right. <clears throat> um, and this w- line's coming in right now. Salikov's like a minus, what is he, minus 240? 245, 240, yeah, depending on where you get it. But uh, I have to say, the weight cut thing comes with age, too. You can't, sure. you know what I mean? When you get in your 40s, you can't cut that weight like you used to when you were, you know, yeah. 29 or whatever. It's Which is why it's surprising it's to see guys like... Like Jose Aldo going down to bantamweight at his age, though he's not nearly as old, but it counts more at the lower weight classes. Anyway, um, onto their actual techniques and all that good stuff. I mean, Trinaldo's southpaw, almost always southpaw. Salikov's orthodox, but switches stances. Um, Salikov has like 185 pro kick boxing fights, or I can't remember if it's fights or wins actually. Now that I think of it, or now that I see whatever here. Um, but yeah, he has like at least 150, 160 pro kickboxing wins. He's a five-time Sonda world champion. He has good takedown defense and good takedowns of his own, which you would expect from a guy whose last name ends in Av and who fights out of Russia, who looks Dagestani. Um, and his name's Muslim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Muslim Salikov. But he doesn't, he doesn't use them. His, his mojo is, is his kickboxing, uh, Sonda more specifically. Um, and Trinaldo's is his boxing. I mean, he does throw kicks, but he's he's more about the boxing, especially that 2-3 combo. I mean, especially, especially just the straight left and the overhand left in their own. I mean, he knocked people out with that all the time. He knocked out uh, Jai Herbert in the last one with that after uh, when it was all tied up going into the third round. Um, but yeah, he's good with the counter left hand. He sometimes throws spinning kicks, which Salikov does too. Um Salikov is more effective with them, definitely, because he sets up his spinning kicks, especially the spinning back kick to the to the ribs, to the stomach, solar plexus area. He sets that up by jabbing the body or straight right to the body and then spinning. So he jabs and then spins the other way so that he catches them off guard, though that could be timed, I feel like, if opponent would notice that when he does jab, that's when he's going to do. And something to note, which I, everyone who... If you want to know more about Salikov, you should watch Jack Slack's 50 Casual with this guy. He just uploaded a couple days ago. One of the best analysts out there. You probably all know him. But, um... I have a bad habit of saying but I'm a lot. It's my crutch word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... 
uh, the, the thing is, when he doesn't jab, when he feints the jab, he hops in, hops out. And when he's hopping out, he's trying to draw his opponents in. Shoulder feints, the jab, bounces in. It's, it's not a full bounce. It's a half step in and out, so he doesn't really have to commit to going in. And his opponents almost always fall for it and follow him. And then he'll try to counter. He can counter great with his right hand, jab. Uh, launch into one of his spinning attacks, which he doesn't just do kicks to the body. He can do wheel, spinning wheel kicks, hook kicks, all kinds of stuff. Um, or just or throw a powerful leg kick to catch them while they're on that lead foot, while all the weight's there. The first person to actually figure out that when he feints that jab, he's not actually coming in, and um, and you shouldn't chase him because that's what he wants, was Elio Zaleski Dos Santos in his last fight, which Trinaldo won by split decision. I thought Zaleski got at least two rounds. I mean, I don't hate it, Trinaldo, uh, getting the nod. I don't, it's not an egregious robbery, but Dos Santos outstruck him in two rounds. One judge scored at 30-27 when Salico, I mean, when Zaleski does definitely won that first round. He heard him, he, he had him seriously hurt. He had Salikov about, I mean, as hurt as I've seen him outside of his, uh, his losses, his, um, which he only has two of. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, but they both guys really looked flat. I mean, especially Salikov, because usually he wouldn't get hurt by some of the things he got hit with. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, if he, if that was his last fight in, what was that? That was like a year ago now. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, July last year. He, if he looks like that this year, though it's been a while, I don't expect him to, because he's never looked like that before. I mean, the three wins before that, unanimous decision over Lariano Staropoli, who's a good striker, who's also on this card. Overhand right knockout of Nordin Taleb, good fighter. And a knockout of Rick Rainey, uh, decent fighter. Um, he, he didn't look flat on any of those. One of his best wins is Melvin Guillard in Kunlun fight. That was before the UFC. Uh, didn't look flat there in any of those fights in Kunlun, Yufang, Superstar, Dagestan Cage Fighting Championship. He he was always looking really good. I mean, going back to his early fights in 2012. But his UFC debut, he lost to Alex Garcia. But, you know, UFC debut, you can get jitters and stuff. He lost via rear naked choke, which I don't expect Ronaldo to look for anything like that. I don't expect Ronaldo to be trying to wrestle him because... I mean, Salikov might even have the better of the wrestling in this one. He has decent takedowns when he does use them. But I, I digress there. I, I don't I don't think it's going to be uh, a factor in this fight, wrestling and jiu-jitsu. Um, but yeah, Salikov has really, really good power. Uh, one of his best attributes. He can get knockouts with anything. Kicks. He has, like I said, spinning back kick KOs, overhand right KOs. His footwork is really great. One thing, my biggest qualm with him defensively is he leaves a lot to be desired in uh, defense, which I, I know this about a lot of guys. I always say defensively responsible, not defensively responsible, and he is often not defensively responsible. I mean, he has good footwork to exit, just retreat, which is for free defense in MMA, just backing up. Um, and that's why jabs are so important to eat up space in MMA. You know, throw that jab you step forward in the space without your opponent being able to do much with it. And he'll off, but he'll often keep his hands down, not all the way down, but they're low around his chest instead of on his, uh, by his head or by his chin. Straight punches often get right through and crack him on the chin, but he has a really good chin. Like, he hasn't been seriously hurt or dropped much, ever. 
So, I mean, Salikov's a good all-around fighter. He's one of these unsung guys at welterweight, like Trinaldo had been at lightweight for a long time, and, and like people we've discussed before. So, on to Trinaldo. His best thing, he's he's strictly southpaw, not like Salikov, who's orthodox, but can switch stances. This could play out in an interesting uh, open stance matchup, southpaw versus orthodox, um, which would, I think, benefit Trinaldo more because he doesn't use his jab... Uh, like, I mean, Salikov doesn't really use it to, like, build combos off of, but he uses it to set things up, or the lack of it to set things up. But Ronaldo really likes starting his combos with that counter, with that straight left or counter left. 2-3-2 two, two combo, or just a straight two. Uh, overhand, left hand, these are all things that are better from open stance matchups, and things that Ronaldo is great with, his best techniques. Um, he can throw powerful body kicks and inside low kicks from that open stance matchup. Uh, he's great at setting up these big brawling entries with feints. You know, feint, then step in uh, and, and land some punches in the pocket. He can also enter the pocket with a shift to land the big straight left. He's really, just really, really explosive and quick to the punch, uh, especially for his size compared to some of the guys he's fought at lightweight. He's faster than them, even though they're smaller and would seem to have a speed advantage. Even at 42, he's still faster. Um... Yeah, I mean, he's more defensively responsible than Muslim Salikov. He keeps his hands high and will go as far as to use a straight-up high guard, just with a high guard covering his face, hand, uh, arms parallel. If he's eating a lot of shots and it, it doesn't usually get him hurt, he has a hell of a chin. Even in his last fight when he started to look gassed from a bad weight cut, obviously he came in four pounds heavy versus Jai Herbert, and he stayed with it, lost the first round, took the second, knocked him out in the third. He never looked out of it. I mean... He got dropped once in that fight, and he was, but he was totally alert. He wasn't like glazed and barely surviving, grabbing onto a leg. He was still alert. He he fought back to his feet. Um, and Herbert also had a four-inch height advantage and a seven-inch reach advantage, which that won't be the case here. He had trouble with someone like Alex Fernandez, who moves in odd patterns at times and enters and ex- exits range really quickly, which Salikov's more docile. Even though he has great footwork, he doesn't move those super erratic movements. He exits on angles well, so he's not moving in a straight line. But Hernandez darts around and enters and exits quickly, and Ronaldo couldn't time him, really. couldn't land his uh, counter left to stop him, and he doesn't have the jab, which I tout so much. He doesn't have that jab to keep people off him, and he eventually got dropped in that first round. Um, but he, he still did some good things landing the left straight when he could, but Hernandez just really had the better of him in that fight. And Hernandez, Hernandez is an interesting one. I mean, he's just so up and down all over the place. He beats Spindel Daryush. Uh loses to Tiago Moises, I, I don't know with him, loses to Cerrone, but anyway, um, yeah, I discussed the Jai Herbert late stoppage fight, but that was just a brutal KO, really showcasing his power, he has wins over the likes of McDessie, Green, uh, Paul Felder, Yancy Medeiros, Jim Miller, Evan Dunham, his only UFC losses are to Michael Chiesa, all right, well, okay, I mean, he is UFC fights going all the way back to 2012, he lost to Gleason Tebow, Piotr Hallman, which is only not big name, lost Michael Chiesa, and then he went on a seven-fight win streak, and then lost to Kevin Lee, a win over Jim Miller, lost to James Vick, win knockout over Adam Dunham, lost to Alexander Hernandez. I don't know why I thought he got KO'd by Alexander Hernandez. My bad. That was a decision. I, I misspoke. Um, lost to Alexander Hernandez, now he's on a three-fight win streak. So he, he's clearly fought... Not the best of the light heavyweight, lightweight division, but the best of that bottom fifteen, uh, you know, top yeah, thirty guys. Yeah, guys, it, guys in the in the discussion. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then guys who are just there as gatekeepers for that top 30, I mean, lightweight is so stacked. Not all the great fighters can be ranked. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the odds for this one are wide. I mean, so this is an interesting one because it got canceled, but it wasn't actually canceled. The UFC released a false announcement. I mean, they didn't release it publicly, but the reporters and stuff, they I guess, supposedly told the reporters, MLMA journalists, that this was canceled. Later in the week, Marcel Dorf, who you should all follow if you want fight announcements, he has in the news quicker than anyone. He announced uh, like two or three days ago, uh, the UFC said the fight's not off and they were wrong. So the fight's back on. The odds were plus 180 for Trinaldo. They opened back up at plus 220. So I guess just because of the ghost cancellation, the odds changed. Um, I mean, better for us. The odds have moved back down a little bit to the plus 200 range, but Trinaldo's still plus 211, which is crazy for him. I mean, I think Salikov is a slightly more nuanced striker. I mean, no, a more nuanced striker. The power, the power is even... Um, Trinaldo has made a career off of winning fights people think he's going to lose. I mean, just look at his fight history. He'll be an underdog and winning a lot in those situations. The guy who cashes in as an underdog like that, who's proven, even at age 42, and against someone who's also getting up there in years, who looked slow in his last fight, I'm I'm all over the plus 211. So, I have this Trinaldo, shoot, what do I have it for? I have... Trinaldo for three quarters of a unit at plus two eleven, which you can get. I think that's on sports bet. Let me see. Uh, yeah, Trinaldo plus two eleven on sports bet. Yeah, I got him at two oh five at five dimes. Yeah, even two ten, two ten on bet online, so which is a more common book if you have that, you know, yeah. right there, just one cent difference. So yeah, yeah two eleven. Uh, yep, I got him there. I, I, yep. That's my bet. Um, do you have anything to say here, Mike? I don't have too much to add. Uh, I think if you're hunting for an underdog on this card, you could do a lot worse than Chenaldo. He's definitely the value side here, in my opinion. Um, and I did develop a bit of a soft spot, a soft spot for Chenaldo last year because um, I had a ticket on him in that fight against Jai Herbert on Fight Islands, and I thought Herbert was on his way to winning that fight. So when Chenaldo landed that absolute bomb and laid Herbert out, I was. I was screaming louder than Dan Hardy for the fight to get stopped. Let's cash this ticket. I mean, I don't know. It looked like Herb Dean maybe ate an edible or something before that fight. I'm not sure <laughs> uh, what was going on that, there. Had that a couple times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the age does scare me because he's really old for a, for a lighter yeah. fighter. He's 42. Um, but he doesn't look washed up. You see him, you know, he's not in his prime, but he doesn't look like he's out here just completely finished. Yeah. He's still winning fights. But he didn't look great against Herbert before that knockout shot. And that coupled with the age yeah. probably is going to make this a pass for me. But like I said, I definitely see Tr- Herbert as, I'm sorry, see Trinaldo as the value side. And I could totally understand somebody throwing a play on him here. Yeah. I mean, if it, if it wasn't for, you know, the age and that last, the way he looked in, the, I think it was the second round. I might have said the first round earlier in that last fight. Then I, you know, I'd be on this a lot more. Though the odds probably wouldn't be the same if he was right. younger, of course. But Chernaldo consistently cashes as an underdog for people. Consistently stops prospects. Um, yeah, I've laid it all out. So wait, wait, right, wait, know, wait, wait, wait. I got to say that uh, I agree with most of your analysis, but I'm Salikov on this one. I feel like. <laughs> but do you think we're betting the line, not the fighter? 
Right. Do you think there's value on that line on Solid Cow at minus Well, that's why that's why you and Mike here tonight are you guys are the handicappers. I'm the smell test guy. You know what I mean? All right. I'm just looking yeah, at no, it. I mean, it's good to have dissenting opinions. We can yeah. get all aspects. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh, one thing we've made clear always is I say what's on my mind, but our recommendations for the show are your suggestions. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not the handicapper yep. here. All right. So on to this next one. Tanner Bozer versus Ilir Latifi, who it's an interesting. I mean, he's gotten older, moved up to heavyweight. I love Latifi, fixed, dude. <laughs> yeah. He had a lot of cardio issues at light heavyweight. This seems to have fixed them. He had much better cardio in that Derek Lewis fight, which he lost, but he was doing quite well in. I mean, compared to what most people do against Derek Lewis. Um, do you have anything for this one, Mike? I don't have too much, but... No, not much. I'm going to pass here. I think this could go really any number of ways. When I first looked at it, I saw we had a heavyweight fight where I could get plus money on under two and a half, which is pretty rare. But then I looked a little bit yeah. into it. These guys, I mean, you know, I had images in my head of Tanner Boser throwing, throwing bricks at people last year, getting a couple knockouts, and Latifi, you know, subbing people, but... You know, this is really rare in that both of these heavyweights, and yeah, they're smaller heavyweights, but yeah. they've both had more decisions than finishes. They both had decisions sure. in more than half of their fights. Um, and I know they haven't both been a heavyweight for their whole careers, but even at light heavyweight, that would be rare. Um, either way, I'm going to be passing here. This is the best wrestler Bozer's ever ever fought, but Bozer's got fast hands. He's got some power. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't have any idea how this is playing out. This yeah, it, I mean, this looks like a toss-up to me. Really, it could be both of them at plus one hundred. You know what I mean? I don't think yeah. there's there's any. Um, I've seen both these guys fight a bunch of times, and there's nothing you could really show me that uh, points to a big advantage either way. Yeah. So at first, I thought, oh, there might be value on Latifi here. He's a good wrestler. Uh, Tanner Bowser has good takedown defense usually, but when he does get taken down, he has trouble getting back up. But, uh, I mean, I looked into it more. I mean, Latifi, he only has the one fight at heavyweight, and it was more than a year and four months. It was a year and four months ago, and he lost, even though he didn't look bad. He looked, I mean, he looked better than he had at light heavyweight, which he had lost to. KO lost to Ozdemir, and lo- decision lost to Corey Anderson. Before that, he probably had his, his best win, which was a, a guillotine of... OSP in 2018, but I mean that's that's three years right. ago now. Um, so, but like I thought, yeah, uh, rest, he's a good wrestler. He moving up to heavyweight. He he didn't gas in his last fight like he's been famous for doing. He and he's even the bigger man now. I mean, shorter man, yeah, shorter by four inches, but same reach, uh, bigger by about 10, 15 pounds at least on their last weigh-ins. Um, but the more I look into it, the less value I saw. Because Tanner Bowser is good. I mean, Tanner Bowser had a lot of hype after that knockout yeah. of Philippe Linz and then the ground and pound knockout of, uh, or the left of the ground and pound knockout of Pessoa. He had, he had a lot of hype, but then Arlovsky did what Arlovsky does, you know? And what Arlovsky does is he makes people fight his fight and which, and make it go to a decision unless they're a truly good heavyweight, which is rare for there to be an actually good heavyweight. But we saw that in Aspinall when Aspinall wrecked him a couple months back um but bozer the prospect who was tested by arlovsky before that he just slowed down i mean he wasn't able to totally eat up arlovsky with leg kicks he wasn't able to catch him with something big which 
he, he, I think he got overhyped because of those two knockouts because he doesn't have as I think you alluded to that a little bit, Mike. He doesn't have as much power as it would seem with looking at those just those two knockouts. Oh, this guy's a big puncher. He's he's not right. that big a puncher. He's a decision fighter. He gets you with leg kicks and some good clean boxing. He definitely has clean boxing, and I think he can box Latifi up. I think the advantage for Bozer is higher in striking than it is for Latifi in wrestling. Although there is a clear advantage uh, in those respectively. And that's ultimately why I decided not to lay the underdog bet on Latifi, coupled with the fact that I already have a few solid underdogs on this card, and the odds went the opposite way I wanted them to. Latifi was plus 185, now he's like plus 165 at best. So, yeah, I mean, pass. I also looked at goes the distance, because I didn't look at the odds, I just thought, oh, ooh, this one could go over, go the distance. So the 1.5 over is like minus 250. It goes the distance is even money, minus 110. So, yeah, if it was plus money, like plus 150, I'd have been like, ooh, nice. But nope, the bookmakers caught on in that not all heavy fights, weight fights will be knockouts. Right, I get... They set this line appropriately. I guess I gotta, um... Uh amend my statement some to say um, like I think these two are very evenly matched like I'd call it about evens so um, if you're looking at value then if there's evens Latifi is the the bet to take because you're getting 160 on evens you know I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bozer wins this fight I think it's totally evens but for me if you were, and I'm not putting money on this fight, but if I were, it would be Latifi because I think, I think they're very closely matched. It depends where the fight goes, and that's where the money is on this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I, I do think the value. I, like I said, I lean the value on Latifi. I just don't think it's why. I wouldn't say quite evens. I'd say maybe like. Uh, my uh, plus minus one fifty one forty. Just it's just not there for me to place a bet. Um. Right now, maybe if it had stayed at plus one eighty five, I would have dug deeper and and really tried to see where I would put the line at. But no, uh, yeah, just passing. All right, so skipping that. On the next is De La, Montana De La Rosa versus Ariane Lipsky, which is one I'm passing on. I don't think you had anything, Mike. Would just want to double check in. Um. I'm probably going to pass as well here. I know I'm in. I've got a big dry patch here in the middle of this card. Yeah, um, no, I'm no, start, that's fine. Me too. Start, start heavy, three. start heavy, and then in heavy. But um, this line's really exploded. It opens. I first saw it around minus two hundred. I think some books yeah. opened it even under two hundred. Minus one sixty. Some guy on sure dog. Got yeah, gosh, it's up minus two sixty, two seventy, yeah. heading to three hundred now. And I understand it because I expect Montana to just out wrestle Lipsky or Lipsky makes her all her opponents look like Khabib. Um, she had she was beaten by <laughs> Molly McCann. Molly McCann took her down twice, controlled her. That is she not a good look. Ground and pound finished <laughs> by Antonina Shevchenko, famously yeah, think, bad wrestler. Yeah, and, and that gave us a great price on Andrew Lee against Shevchenko. So thank yeah, you for that, Lipsky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I think De La Rosa might make a good parlay piece if she stays around the price she's at now. Um, I was interested to see De La Rosa by decision is anywhere between minus 120 and plus 110. I mean, for this weight class, that might not be a bad value play, but, I mean, Lipsky's shown she could be finished, too. Yeah, um, and she has, but, uh, that, sorry, De La Rosa has a couple of uh, submission finishes in the UFC, yeah. although uh, against bad fighters like Rachel Ostovich, but... Uh, and Lipsky isn't that much better, although Austin is just right. Finish. And Mike, so, it's it's okay to 
to just have a pass. If you had a uh, a bet on every one of these fights, I would question your judgment. You know, what I, mean? I have, I have, I have had cards like that. I won't lie. But. Yeah. I mean, this yeah, one, but generally me, this speaking, the, I mean, the right. smart money yeah. sometimes says nope. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean that that pretty much sums up what I think. I, I would have taken De La Rosa at minus one sixty for sure. Two sixty, too much. I mean. I'm not putting minus 260 on a flyweight fight unless it's Valentina. Yeah. And if I get Valentina at minus 260, I'm putting the house on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, so, yeah, yeah this, I mean, just Lipsky sucks. De La Rosa, she, I think she's fallen too much in love with her boxing. She's tried to box too much recently. Um, but if she just wrestles, there's a clear, clear path to, to victory here in this one. Um, yeah, that, that, that's all for me. Um, Okay, next we have Makwanamir Khani versus Kamwela Kirk. I know this is one you wanted to talk about, right? Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but I did have some thoughts on it. Um, Kirk, he's a newcomer. Um, he took on Billy Q, Billy, Billy Quarantillo on the Contender yeah. Series as a huge favorite. Kirk was a huge favorite. And he looked hmm. okay. He was getting takedowns early. He looked to be in control. Ultimately, Billy Q took over and finished that one. Not a terrible loss. Um, Kirk's a BJJ black belt, out of fight ready, one of the hottest camps right now. He looked really good getting a first round sub against Kevin, against Kevin Kroom back in LFA. Kroom's been up and down so far in his, uh, UFC career. Yeah. But that's not a bad win to have on your resume. Um, I look at him, I watch him fight and I say, this is a promising guy. He's going to win fights in the UFC. I don't know if he wins this week though. Um, I agree. really think he's the value side, and I circled this as a line to keep my eye on. It's been going the wrong way, though. The numbers began smaller and smaller. It's getting down closer to 150, it seems, by the oh, minute. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah, you could have got him now. at 225 at open. Yeah, so Amirakani, he's he's only lost to big names, really. Arnold Allen, Burgos, Barboza. He hasn't beaten anybody really that great. Um, I think he's live for a sub. He, where he really excels is in the scrambles and transitioning into, uh, you know, position to get the sub there. And I don't know. I think Mirakani probably gets the win here. I do think Kirk's live. I think he's lost a lot of value from where the line opened up. So for now, I'm going to be passing this. But if that line somehow bounces back uh, in if favor you, of Mirakani, I might be willing to drop a half or so on Kirk here. If you could have got him at the open at 225, knowing or thinking what you think now, would you have took it? Probably a half unit, maybe a half unit or yeah. so. Okay, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I mean, Amir Khani, he's he has issues in that his he has a, I mean, he's like he's like a model or something. He has, has stuff all over his social media. I mean, you look at his topology picture; it's him with like four hot blonde uh, Eastern European <laughs> girls. Um, <laughs> he's called Mister Finland. He he, he you know, and, and he's at the same gym as as Conor McGregor. He fights under Kavanaugh. So oh. it, it kind of tells you a little bit. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's bounced around from – actually, I don't even know if he's still there anymore because he's bounced around so much, but that's what he's listed as. So there's issues with his mentality, I feel like. I don't know if he's all in on his fight thing and when he's fighting thing and when he's gotten to that upper echelon, Arnold Allen, Burgos, and Barboza. As you mentioned, he's gotten, I mean, dominated. I, well, not Arnold Allen. That was a split decision, but Arnold Allen has leveled up since then, and Burgos and Barboza just had him dead uh. to rights. There's only just unanimous decision. There's only one model in the USC, and that's Alan fucking Joe Band, baby. Oh, he retired. He retired. 
He, he retired like a, a week and a half ago, right before Felder. He's he'll be on the desk though. But and you're forgetting Drew Dober. Drew Dober and his jawline. <laughs> but let's get away from that. Yeah. So I mean, Americani is good wrestling. He has a good base. But I just question his mentality. Um, and yeah, I agree with you about Kirk. I mean, there there might have been value there. I think the line's probably about appropriate now. Um, with especially with the questions about Americani and his lack of a real standout win. I mean. His last three wins are Danny Henry, Chris Fishgold, and Jason Knight, which that was a split decision. The other two Anaconda finishes. It's just, yeah, he doesn't have a signature win, um, but his losses are all to the best guys, and, yeah, I guess that sums it up. Um, all right, where are we going right. next, Val? On to the next, Tom Brees versus Antonio Ahoyo. Oh, I this, like this fight. I, I'm too. excited I, for it. Me too. I am a fan of Tom Brees. I mean, he's fun. He, he's he's good fun, it, and he's his loss just like just like uh, just like Amir Khani, his three losses in his whole career, Strawn Strickland, which was a split decision, full credit for that back in 2016. Though Strickland's better than he was then, Brandon Allen last year and Mario Akhmedov this year, who Strickland and Akhmedov ranked 11 and 13. Brandon Allen would uh, his only loss is Sean Strickland himself and he's on the cusp I think he will be ranked soon. I, I like his wrestling a lot. Um he he's definitely on the cusp like sixteen or seventeen himself at middleweight. But and Tom Brees he also I guess doesn't have really a signature win himself, but he, you see him he has I mean he has finishes in almost every fight. He only has one decision in his whole career. Well one decision lost Strickland, one decision win uh that was against Kita Nakamura, but he has knockout wins. Look at his look at his UFC resume. First round, first round decision, first round, um, and then first round. Which his last fight he fought or last win he fought KB Buller, who's probably the worst middleweight ever. He got cut after his last fight, um, and he dropped him. But he still he dropped him with the jab and finished him with hammer fists. Still impressive. But he has his mentality is also a lot of parallels. I'm just realizing between him and Amir Khani, his mentality has also been questioned at times. If he just quits, like some people think. And it's possible he just gave Akhmedov the arm triangle that he got finished with in his last fight because he was ready to give up. Um, and he, he was already down. He was like, okay, I'll just I'll just let him sink it in and get out of here. Um, but he has really clean boxing. He's a, he's a solid wrestler. Uh, but it's most fun to watch, watch him box, really. And Ahoyo's a striker, but he's not special. And he's lost his first two UFC fights uh, to Muniz, who just subbed Jacare Souza and Duran Wynn, the shortest middleweight of all time. Both those guys are wrestlers, just jiu-jitsu guys. They, they took him down and held him down and did their thing. Um, I, I believe you have something here, or at least something to talk about here, Mike. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting fight. You've got um, Arroyo, or Ahoyo, 0-2 in the UFC so far. Uh, he lost to Andre Muniz. Not a terrible loss. Lost to Duran Wynn. That's a pretty terrible loss. That fight was also at 195, I believe, a catch weight. Yeah. You're um, losing to a guy who's like five feet five even. Five sticks. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> at 195 um, pounds. Yeah. Uh, uh, can I say one thing about that Muniz yeah. fight? Is Muniz has really, has legit BJJ, obviously, but his striking is really, really low level. I mean, he just runs forward throwing hooks from his shoulders. Mm. And although Ahoyo was the better striker, he couldn't figure out that that simple one-note tactic of just moving forward, throwing hooks. So that, that doesn't say good things about him as a striker in, in, for his specialty. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, Arroyo, I mean, he's got the trifecta here. He's got 
crap takedown defense, he's got crap cardio, and he's got crap fight IQ. I expect Breeze to win this fight. Um, but am I willing to pay this? Am I willing to pay this? Minus 230, minus 250 on Breeze, whatever it is. Not really. Um, yeah. I don't trust him enough. What I like here is minus two and a half. I think I locked it in for a unit at minus 130. Yeah. Um, uh, under two and a half? Under two and a half. I'm sorry. Yeah. I like that. We sometimes, we sometimes bet, um, spreads on this show. If, I don't know if you've heard oh. of spreads in MMA, but yeah. <laughs> It's a new, yeah, I'm new-ish sorry. Thing. Under you're good. Under under two and a half at minus one thirty. I, I have a unit locked in on that. And okay. to be honest, it's really just some very lazy handicapping. Breeze has eleven out of his twelve wins by finish. Five of those knockouts, six of those submissions. Arroyo, eight of his nine wins are by um, by finish. Four knockouts, four submissions. Breeze has been knocked out. He's been submitted. Arroyo's been submitted twice. These guys out of their combines. 25 fights or so, I think only three or four of them have not ended in a finish. So I think it's a pretty good price here, just playing the law of averages. I know that's not yeah. hardcore X and O handicapping, but I was looking for a total, and you know, I figured, why not take a shot with this one? It seems to make sense, because the fight can end wherever it goes. Um, you know, I could see Arroyo tiring out or making some sloppy decision and falling victim to a rear naked choke. I could see either of these guys clipping each other. Um, I might end up kicking myself when they take the take to the octagon Saturday night and just stare at each other for 15 minutes. But. I don't think we'll ever see that with Tom Breeze. <laughs> true, true. Um, but yeah, I'm going to... I have a play here, like I said, under 2.5 for minus 130. I think that's going up nice. a little. It's probably maybe in the 140 range right now. But You could still get it at minus 130 on 5 dimes and okay. sports bet. But minus one forty five, even minus one fifty in some places, like that way. Um, yeah, I, 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 I see that definitely. I, I, I like I'm predicting Tom Brees to get the finish inside the distance. I don't. I mean, Rojo's never been knocked out, so but he's never really fought a striker like Brees. He's susceptible to wrestling, but yeah. Brees has developed his wrestling in BJJ a good way. I, when he had that Whoa. all that time off from injury, one sec. When he had all that time off from injury, he stayed active by doing uh, Polaris and Grapple Fest bouts to to make his BJJ come along, and and he went two and one in those with a heel hook and rear naked choke. So he definitely has submissions, even though he hasn't necessarily shown it at a high level. All his uh, all his finishes by submission in in MMA pro MMA were on Bama and Cage Warriors. So we haven't seen that in UFC only knockouts from him, but. Yeah, I, I, prediction, Tom Brees gets it done inside the distance. Am I putting that on him? Am I, like, the odds of Brees inside the distance are, uh, plus one, that's better than I, I saw before. It was like minus 110 before, plus 125-ish now, plus 110, plus 130. Um, but yeah, Brees, the odds are just too steep. I'd probably put them, cap them about appropriately. I- um, can we pause the recording for one second? Yeah. Just one second. Let me flag. Because I got some thoughts on this fight. Alright. Hey guys, I'm back. Alright. Alright. I just wanted to say about this fight. um, Brees is a... He's... our classic um, British MMA fighter. You know what I mean? He's got he's 
the British guys grow up like boxing. You know what I mean? They they're all, they're very good at it. The things I like about him is he's very long. Very long, and I think his striking is pretty good when you're talking on your feet. And he ha- he has a he has a very solid wrestling background. It's very hard to take him down. He's much taller than people, and he knows how to use his leverage because of that wrestling background. I I think he finishes this fight, dude. I think uh, normally above two twenty or whatever. You know, I I start to wonder about the numbers because it's MMA and anything can happen. But I think this is a lot, dude. Brees is gonna win this fight. All right. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I. I yeah. I tend to agree. If if odds are like minus two hundred, I yeah, this would be a, a better one for me. As it is, I think there might still be a little value on Breeze, but it, it, it's a bit steep. Especially considering his mentality. And, and, the, and that has been questioned at times in the past. Alright. Um, so on to the next one. This is this is probably my second favorite fight on the card. Dusko Todorovic versus Gregory Rodriguez. Which, Rodriguez? Okay, wait. Funny thing. Alex Behuman, who's another MMA reporter that's pretty good... Uh, he pointed out something that had me dying laughing today, which is that um, his words were, uh, Rodriguez, who's making his USA debut, view, looks like a yoked Obama or a ripped Barack Obama. Look at his face. Anyone who's listening, look at his, look up Greg <laughs> Rodriguez, and he looks like a ripped Obama. He really does. His face is just like Barack Obama. It's hilarious. I can't unsee it now that I've seen that. Um, but, yeah. So, so I like this one because I think it's almost certain to have a finish. Uh, Todorovic is a fun fighter. He keeps his hands totally down. He relies entirely on head movement and just retreating. And that got him hurt against his first big opponent in his last fight against Punahele Soriano on that Max Holloway Calvin Cater card. He got knocked out flush which he he throwed his chin he got hurt three times and it was only on the third one i mean he still wasn't out and down totally on the third one but herb dean had seen enough because of three straight knockdowns i'd love to see him get his hands up there more but uh, i mean it's fun the way he is if if i was better if i was going to be on his side which i thought about it i did think about it i have a bet for this but that's not it um but yeah, I thought about being on Todorovic, but just it's so hard for me to bet on someone who just leaves his hands down like that. Yeah. He, this but one, I, I like his offensive striking. He's just he's a relaxed guy, loose, and then goes zero to sixty. Bam! Throws com- big combos. He can switch stances. Right. And, um, and, and he's just f- really solid offensively. He has a good jab and lead hook to close different distance. He has good entries to the collar tie, um, and, and he's very offensive there. Uh, he can get takedowns, though it's not his preferred method. He has good Muay Thai. Muay Thai sweeps. He has a win over Michelle Pejera in, was it Serbia FC or something like that? Serbian battle, whatever. Some Serbian promotion against Michelle Pereira, who's one of the funnest guys out there. Actually, a great style matchup there just for a fun, fun fight. And, um, and according to Vegas, this is the most uh, even money fight on it. No. You know what I mean? This is most... No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, it's close. No, but Beza versus Bontanibio. Is that one closer? Yeah, that one's almost even. Beza's minus 
one twenty minus one. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Then this is the second one then because it's very close. But yeah, okay. Sorry, you're good. Um, yeah, just Todorovich is just a, is a fun fighter. He has a solid chin, like I said. Even though he gets hit, he rolls with the punches well to minimize it. Good dirty boxing from the inside. Good clean boxing from the outside. Puts combinations together as well. Together well, starting with the jab, um, power puncher. A lot, a lot of, a lot of knockouts. I believe I forget how many, but he, yeah, he, he's mostly a finisher. Um, he only has one decision win. That was coincidentally his contender series fight, which Dana likes finishes, but he still got the contract probably because of his Michelle Pajera knockout round one, straight up uh, knockout, and. Oh yeah, and leg kicks. I, I, I like that he's just leg kicks. He doesn't use them like crazy. He's not Jose Aldo or anything, but he he, he he'll chop at the opponent's legs. Um, and he's strong in the clinch. He has a good understanding of head position, underhooks, just leverage in general, over and underhooks. To you, uh, he likes that over under. Um, and when he is on top, he has really good uh, ability to pass the guard, get in side control, half guard, full mount, whatever he wants. But I haven't seen it against someone with actually, you know, a good BJJ level. Not even, like, great BJJ, just decent BJJ. But he, he is definitely strong on top. He's good at passing while holding the guy down. Rodriguez, on the other hand, he's similar in terms of keeping his hands down. Um, not nearly as... Actually, no, sorry. I was wrong. I was thinking of someone else. Too many fighters, too much. Too many fights, too many notes. But he keeps his head up, his hands up at his head, but punches still get through. I mean, he's not good at parrying at all. A lot of straight punches come right through his guard and bop him on the chin, but he has a good chin. Um, he's only been knocked out recently by Jordan Williams in his Contender Series fight. Um, then went two fights, won the LFA Middleweight Championship, which is less than two, or just about two weeks ago, he won the LFA Middleweight Championship with round one knockout. Um, so that's a quick turnaround, and that's one thing that does worry me for him, and that what at first had me looking at Todorovich, uh, just fighting two weeks ago, even if he didn't take much damage, which he didn't, he still has to cut weight twice in three weeks. That takes a toll on the body, especially at his size. He's six foot three and really ripped. But he has a good split of KOs and subs. He hasn't shown that uh, grappling, wrestling at the LFA level, let alone the UFC level, because this is his first UFC fight. But he has subs against lower-level guys. He fights at a Sanford, a good gym, though I think it's a bit overrated. People don't seem to think it's an elite gym. I disagree, because fighters don't get to that elite that, that elite level when they're there that all that often. Um but it's, yeah, and, and it's a breeding ground. It's not a yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You see, guys like like Usman left his strike. He was with Henry Hoof, who's supposed to be a great striking coach. I'm going off on a tangent, but Henry Hoof is supposed to be like an elite striker, striking coach. But his strikes improved so much under Whitman, which of course they would. But but Usman's striking was clearly so limited while he was under Hoof. I mean, he he had this great tool of a power jab and powerful straight right that just come out of the chamber like a laser. And he, he wasn't using them to their full potential. And I feel like a good striking coach should be able to unlock that in someone like Usman. But that's a tangent. He is, his knockout, though, was against the 
181-pound diabetic kid on the Contender Series. He had his hands down on the clinch break, which is one interesting thing to watch here because Todorovich does like to work from the clinch. Um, He got hit, heart wobbled. To his credit, he didn't go out, but he was wobbly in a couple more shots, and he was out. Um, I like his straight right. I like the fact that he uses one-twos a lot, that he uses his reach to his full potential, which he has a two-inch reach advantage in this one. Um, and he gets his jab out there, really nice, stiff jab, not telegraphed. Um, uses teep kicks to keep that range with his height. Um, he also works that, that, that straight right as well to counter, which is one thing Sidorovich doesn't do well, even though he has great head movement and slips punches. He's not countering off of them as much as I'd like to see from him. Um, but Rodriguez is also a very, very powerful guy. He is good in the collar tie. With, with his knees because of his height. When he gets in the contact, he can hit knees devastatingly. Um, he's good elbows, too. I mean, he just mixes all his tools really well, mixes the martial arts. And he's overall just very powerful, but I lean Todorovic in this one. But that's not my bet. My bet, because of their knockout power... Actually, Mike, what... Uh, sorry, what do you have? You, you give your two cents first, then we'll get to the bets. Okay, so yeah, I've been keeping my eyes on this fight. Um... In Dusko Todorovic, he's coming off his first loss, like you said, to Puna Soriano. And I really just think Dusko is an offensive machine. He's got such a versatile attack. This is another guy uh, who could finish in a variety of ways. He has a number of stylish knockouts and submissions on his resume. Uh, like you said, only one decision. Um, he uses kicks well, as you also mentioned, uh, when he wants to work those in. Um, decent combos, um, good slip and rip. Uh, but he has defensive issues, of course. That's the, the story of the week, what everyone's focusing on. That's what's getting that number dropping on him. He keeps his hands dangerously low. Uh, we've seen him wobble a handful of times. Uh, he's got weird head movement. He leaves his head up there, you know, especially when he's backing up, he can be hit. But this narrative has really been driving. You know, I've seen it on Twitter, seen it on YouTube in the last couple of days that all of a sudden, Dusko is chinny. He's anyone can hit him, anyone can knock him out. I mean, he got pretty far in his career without being beaten, and now one loss here has really changed the narrative on him. Uh, he was keeping his hands low that whole time, by the way. But um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think everyone seems to be on Rodriguez here. He seems to be one of the hottest dogs of the card. I'm really uh, keeping my eye on that Todorovic line, and it's dropping and dropping. It's down to the 130 range, I think, in yeah. a few books now, which I really am tempted to um, pounce, but let's see where it lands. Um, Rodriguez, he's a powerful guy. Um, I mean, they say he's like he's a BJJ world champion. I don't see that level of BJJ from him, but he's got good, you know, he's got skills in that area. Um, I don't think he's faced this sort of offense. Um, this is, uh, like you said, a quick turnaround, a short notice fight for a massive guy to have to uh, cut weight again. We'll see how that goes. Um, I don't love the way he reacted when Jordan Williams started to hurt him in that contender series fight. He just started to really look out of sorts and just kind of grabbing at him and stumbling around. And can Dusko get hit? Yeah, of course. He he, he proved that against Soriano. But if if Dusko catches Rodriguez early, you know, this could be lights yeah. out, you know, in favor of, in favor of Todorovic as well. Um, I, I think he's more versatile, Dusko. I think he's just got the better pedigree. And where this line is heading, nothing official yet, but I Definitely might be dropping. I might be dropping a unit on Todorovic, to be honest. 
Yeah, so Dusko opened at minus, wow, minus 250, although that was just on the one book. But the, I think the official opening line was around minus 160, minus 170, like across the board. And yeah, it's been dropping. I've been watching it too. I was thinking about pulling the trigger on minus 130. I, I may live tweet, or well, not live, but like before the fight, tweet it and post it in Discord, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, I'm definitely keeping an eye out for it. But my official play has to do with their finishing ability. So, especially my first round finishing ability... Um, these guys, they, they just, they get it done. They both have defensive shortcomings. I think either one can knock the other out. I mean, yeah, I think either one can knock the other out. They both only have, uh, one decision win in their careers. Rodriguez, one decision loss. Todorovic, no decision losses. With his hands low, if he gets put out, if he gets loses, he's gonna get put out pretty much. Um, and Rodriguez, I think Dusko wins this by putting him out. Like this, this fight's just going to be a banger. They're going to come at each other and start hitting each other, and whoever's chin or defense gives way first is gonna is gonna go out. So obviously, the goes the distance line. It, it's appropriately priced for this, but I like even the under one point five um, prop here, which especially because you can get it at plus money I have it at plus 105 on sports bet also plus 110 if you have pinnacle I don't but yeah I'm taking that for what did I buy? I had just a half unit plus 105 under one and a half rounds on sports bet that's my bet on the Dusko Todorovic versus Gregory Rodriguez fight but I will definitely keep an eye out if Dusko gets around minus 110 I'm, I'm taking that for sure for probably another half unit at least. Oh yeah, if, if if it drops anymore, I'm not gonna I'm, be able to yeah. resist. If it, I mean, even if it doesn't, I'll have to think about it. But I, I yeah, exactly. I'm keeping an eye out for it because of the trend. And we, but if you if if you like it, you can get it. Oh, even minus one twenty seven now on sports bet. Wow, but minus one forty is the main price. Minus one thirty on bet online and five dimes. All right, that brings us to the fight of the night to the best fight of this card what should be the main event if the ufc didn't care about numbers because these guys aren't ranked but pontinibio was ranked before his injuries forced him to take uh nearly or, or two and a half nearly two and a half years off just over two years off um and then miguel Baeza, who's just young and up and coming he has three fights in the ufc three second round finishes um one leg kicks one punches one arm triangle so Shows his versatility right there in a in a microcosm, um, and he, yeah, Beza he's a joy to watch. He's so clean with everything. I, I could I could wax positive about him all day, but I won't. I'll discuss them more technically. But I really I just love Beza brings to the K as far as as far as everything he is as a young guy, ten and zero, undefeated guy. Montenegro, though, he, he, when he wasn't fighting frequently and ranked, he was one of my favorite guys to watch because he always came forward. He always, um, liked to use his power, fight behind his jab, throw leg kicks. I mean, he had wrestling in BJJ too, but he was usually going for that knockout. Um, but his time off, couple, with, cause of bad injuries, has left him not the same as he was clearly. I mean, he was coming off of a main event knockout of Neil Magny. Which that's that's a good knockout. He was able to do the thing that you have to do against Neil Magny, which is be able to flirt with his range and still not get sucked into those clinch situations where he drowns you. It just spiders all over you with those long arms of Magny. Um, 
Ponzi likes to stay right on the edge of striking range, circling with his jab, using low leg kicks when the time comes. Um, I, I do, I've always liked that. He fights behind that jab. And then he'll dart in with combos and stuff when he can. And then as time goes on, he'll more and more stop just touching you up with leg kicks and jabs and settle in for big combos, big, big trades back and forth. He, um, Against the, the leech, Li Jing Liang, who wasn't ranked at the time, now obviously is ranked. He looked bad. It wasn't, and it wasn't just mental ring rust, although there was some of that because he just couldn't get started. He couldn't start throwing. He didn't try to establish his jab. He wasn't circling, um, with in, like intending to look for angles and stuff. He was just getting touched up by the leech until he got starched. Um, with the left hook, which interestingly enough, the left hook has been noted to be a weakness of his because when he pumps that jab out, the left hook can come over it. And that's what got him KO'd versus Lorenz Larkin. And, um, I believe he only has, what does he have? He has two or three UFC losses. Three, three UFC losses. Two of those are from that left hook. Uh, and Beza actually coincidentally has, uh, his first, his second UFC fight against Matt Brown was a knockout by left hook, but I'll get to that later. And that's just MMA, lazy MMA math. I'm not saying that's why Beza should win this. Though I am saying Beza should win this. Um, but yeah, when, when he finally, when he finally committed to strikes versus the leech, he missed with the big right hand, didn't bring both of his hands back to his face in time and got chinned by that left hook. Um, that same, well, yeah, okay, sorry, I already said that, circling. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I said it wasn't just mental. He didn't look physically good. Like he's, he didn't. He used to be, you know, a really, really in shape guy. Really fast, really strong, great chin. He didn't look physically the same. I mean, he's getting up there. Thirty-four now, I believe. Uh, yeah, thirty-four years old. Which at welterweight, that's not young. I mean, welterweight better than lightweight, but still not young. And especially after two years off, and he's coming back five months after a big KO loss. I mean. I don't know what really if he should take more time off because it's like he's been out for two years. He has to get something, some time back in the cage. But I feel like there's more missing than just time in the cage, you know. Um. So yeah, I I I like Ponzi, but I don't think he's winning this because Beza has it all. He's young. He fights like a veteran. He has the patience to sit back and wait, but not for too long, just to make his reads for like that first half of that first round. And he still throws leg kicks and jabs out in there in that time touching his opponent up making the reads he needs he has the speed the technique the wrestling the power the bjj black belt submissions knockouts he has it all he's so defensively responsible with his chin tucked retreating at angles with his hands framing off his opponent keeping punches from coming at him one hand at his, one hand at his head one hand framing usually um keeps his weight on his back foot so he's ready to counter strike or evade because he's a counter striker uses the calf kick so well. Like I said, he got a knockout with it in his debut. Oh, I need calf kick to ground and pound, but the guy, those are some brutal leg kicks. And he only took like 10 of them before the guy was really, really hurt. Um, he also uses the low kick well to set up the high kick, which is what every low kicker should do. He, he actually threw almost the, I saw in one fight, he threw almost the exact same kick that Rose knocked out Zhang Weili with, which is interesting because it's not a usual one. A kick that comes up inside of the guard instead of roundhouse outside of the guard all the way up. But his head kick get up there fast. His deep kicks to keep range are good and to do damage. He's 6'2", so he's taller than most welterweights. He has what? He has two inches on Ponzinibbio there and uh, an inch and a half in reach. 
Um, he has a really powerful right hand. He sets it up well with his jab. He has a great chin, which if it wasn't for that Matt Brown bite where Matt Brown did catch him, which that's what Matt Brown can do. He, he has some big power even at this age. I mean, he's up there as a welterweight up there near Vitor Belfort and Derek Lewis for the most knockouts in UFC history. I think he's tied for second at this point, Matt Brown. Um, but he got hit, got dropped, um, but came back, got up, and then came right back and dropped Brown beginning of the second round with a, a beautiful check hook. I love that check hook. Uh, anyone who has a great check hook to counter strike, it, it's just mwah, beautiful. So I like Miguel Baeza here because of the age, because of even in, in, I mean, in Ponzinibbio's prime, this would have been a much more competitive fight. I mean, I could have even definitely needed Ponzinibbio, but now he's not in that prime. Baeza has the has the potential to go all the way to the top, really. He has the potential to be fighting like Sean Brady in three years' time for that welterweight title if Usman retires, uh, which I think he will. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm taking Miguel Baeza here. I think uh, youth conquers in this one. So I have Baeza for one unit. How, how do you see this, Mike? Um, I'm going to echo a lot of what you said, really. Um, with with Ponzinibbio... We've got a guy who has a lot of big wins. You know, he's being Mike Perry, Sean Strickland. He knocked out Court McGee, which is not an easy feat. Um, he's got that great knockout win against Neil Magny, which I don't think anyone else has knocked out Neil Magny. Um, but, you know, he disappeared for years due to some really high-maintenance medical stuff. Came back a few months ago, uh, what, it was January, and he had his head taken off by the leech. And he did not look good in the process. This wasn't like a one-minute thing where he goes out there and got clipped it was a round of him looking a damn mess and if you're back in Ponzinibbio here you've got to be hoping that it was just the worst case of ring rust and you know he's gonna have to turn he's gonna turn around when he gets back but I don't know if that's the case um and I don't know if it's a great idea to be coming back only four and a half months later he's back in the ring before the leech is Uh, I mean what sense does that make um with Baeza I mean earlier you guys were talking about models and jawlines this guy looks chiseled you look at his photo he's got that he's got that handsome squidward jawline and uh and they call him caramel thunder i love that he's he's a guy now who's on his way to garnering that spotlight and attention that once belonged to ponzinibbio uh you know he's undefeated he's a little bit of a bigger guy than ponzi um he's looked great he's undefeated uh he's got strong kicks these guys both have strong kicks um, I think if either one of them are really effectively spamming the leg kicks early, that could be an X factor here. Um, one thing, if I want to have a pet peeve about Bayes, I'd like to see him use more combos. Uh, too often, he's just kind of yeah, jumping he, in and he's, and he's... He's very one-two and he hangs them out there. Yeah, he's in there. He's one and done. He's going for a big shot, and then he resets. Um, you know, I might be nitpicking, but that's something I'd like to see him work on. Um, I think he might be an underrated grappler, just in the sense that you don't really hear people talking about that part of his game as much. Yeah. But I reckon he'd have the advantage if this does end up on the ground for any length yeah. of time. Um, I, I think he showed in that Sato fight that his black belt isn't just a, you know, a, on his wall. He he actually uses it. Sato isn't, like, amazing, right. not Ponzi level, but... He, he dominated him on the ground and subbed him. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Um, it, these guys are both finishers. I, I don't think, I don't think under two and a half is a terrible play. You could, you could have that at around 135, 140, I think. Ooh. But, um, 
I did lock in today uh, one unit on Baeza for minus 120. Okay. So, oh, uh, yeah, I forgot to say my odds. So I got this at minus 113, which, and on best fight odds, it lists Baeza as minus 118 on bet online, but when I grabbed it, it was minus 113. So I'm going to log in and, and check if it's still minus 113. If not, I'll list it as what it is at the time we recorded this, of course. I'm going to be giving out lines that I don't have. Okay, yeah, so no, yeah, Baez is minus 118 now. Um, is that the best on him? Oh, let me no, see. Okay. Uh, no, well, uh, okay, minus 116 on Pinnacle, I don't have it. Minus 117 on Sports Bet, which I do have. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to call this one unit at minus 117 for me. So we just got a unit on him. All right, I, I'm going the opposite way on you guys. I'm going with Ponzinibbio. <laughs> you know, the... You know, Val and I are agreeing way too much here. I thought you might be on Greg Rodriguez, just like everyone else, but we really are on the same yeah. page on this. Yeah, card, I think uh, I think I think Rodriguez is recency bias. I mean, he had a great knockout, but it, it was LFA. It's not a guy at Todorovic's level. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to tell me. I like I, I like Bieza. Um He's a good striker. He has the the size advantage for sure. But uh, Ponzinibbia is always a little shorter and gives up reach in every fight, so that's not a big thing for him. Um, Bieza has he has really good leg kicks. We saw basically, I think, who was it against Aldana, where he basically yeah. knocked him out with leg kicks. You know what I mean? It was it was impressive. But if you notice, Ponzinibbia never really checks him from his Muay Thai background. His legs are strong. He he's not afraid of getting kicked in the legs. Um. Another thing I noticed about that fight was, uh, uh, oh, oh, it was the Reina fight. Like, uh, Bieza was kicking his ass the first two rounds, but his cardio went down, and Ponzinibbia always goes into the late rounds. And in the but third round... Can he still, though? He didn't look physically good versus well, Legion. I, he was up there in age, time I, off. Right. I think, I think I'm think i going with what Mike said. Is I, I believe it was some ring rust. That's what I'm betting it on. Um, and Reyna controlled the third round, and he controlled it with a very effective jab, which Panzania has a very good one. I think, but again, uh, he didn't use that in his last play. I, I, I understand your criticisms. I'm not taking them. I'm just giving my counters to them. Yeah, Which, yeah. Well, I I, 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 I'm not the guy that we're recommending. You know what I mean? I'm throwing yeah. out my right. I'm throwing out my stuff. I think for even money, bet ten dollars, win ten dollars. I, I got Ponzinibbio in this fight. I think if you're on Ponzi here, you're falling for a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> <laughs> no, if it was a Ponzi uh, scheme, I would be getting $400 for my $10. <laughs> and then losing it all. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I just think, I don't see why the line is moving like this. I guess people haven't watched Beza and are going nostalgia. I, I, I understand liking Ponzi I like him. I think Ponzi wins, but... Even uh, I really don't think it was just ring rust. He looked bad in that last fight. Like he couldn't throw his his just his physique. He wasn't up to scratch. And I saw an interview with him. I watched uh, his uh, whatever pre-fight interview, whatever you call it, um, which he did recorded. Yet they recorded yesterday, I think. And he he was still like not accepting this new position that he's in he was like he was like oh i'm still the it, the, the better fighter doesn't always win i mean he gave credit to the leech he didn't fully make excuses but he also didn't address the problem which he him 
and Walt Harris were the two ones I wanted to watch interviews for to see where their minds were at coming off of losses. I liked what I heard from Walt. I didn't like what I heard from Ponzinibbio. He's always been really, really confident, but you've got to work on your shortcomings. I don't know if five months is enough after a big knockout loss, after so much time off, unable to train, uh, losing muscle mass and all that. I really don't. I also think this one then inside the distance. It might be some value on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, in Ponzinibbio has shown cardio in the past, but does he still have that? You just don't know. 34 years old, time off. Well, I've been over it all. Uh, but I appreciate your opinion as always. Yeah, well, I, and let's be, uh, let's be clear about it. And I don't, um, well, all I'm saying is uh, Ponzinibbio has showed good cardio and Biazza has shown bad cardio because he was kicking Reyna's ass until the third round. Yeah, like, I got you. Yeah. Right. Um, so moving on, on to another good fight before we get to the... Oh, well, the co-main event. We already did the main event. But before we get to the... Which, what I wish wasn't the co-main and main event, we have Roman Deleeds... Just uh, lost, had his first loss of his career. One of these Georgian fighters, probably the lesser of the male Georgian fighters, but that's not saying much. Or not saying that's not saying much. That's not saying he's bad when you compare him to Guram Kutsutaladze, Ilya Toporia, Vashvili. Um, yes, Vashvili, and oh shoot, I'm blanking. Matei, oh no, Gamrat's not. I think he's Georgian. He's Polish. Never mind. But yeah, these good up and coming Georgian fighters. All, all really good guys. He's the least of them. Uh, there's a Guram, Guram, Kutsaladze. He's, he's. I can't wait to hear his next fight. It's coming up soon. Yeah, same. Um, his fight with Gamrot was one of the best debut versus debut fights ever, ever. Um, and he keep Guram was a huge underdog as a bonus. Um, but anyway, on to the leads or the leads. Uh, uh, I'm not sure which, versus Loriano Staropoli, which I mentioned briefly earlier, talking about Muslim Salikov. Um, so in that fight, Salikov was able to get three takedowns on him. He, he got deep on Staropoli's hips. Um, and the leads is all about the wrestling. He, he I think my one issue with the leads is that he wants to strike more than he should. He showed that versus Trevin Giles. Like, he wanted to strike, and then he really only committed to the wrestling when it was too late, and Giles was already boxing him up and on his way to the win. Um, but he's he, he's got the wrestling to smother anybody. I mean, his last win was a split decision versus John Allen. I don't know why it was split. I, I honestly had a 30-27 for the leads, which one of the judges agreed with me. One of the judges had it 30-27 uh, the other way, I believe, 29-28 the other way. Uh, but yeah, 29-28 at the absolute worst. He spent half the fight, seven minutes, almost half the fight, in control positions, outlanded Allen 51-29. to Yeah, that's just a pet pe- bad judging, another pet peeve of mine, of course. Um, but yeah, he has great cardio. He's an ADCC Asia champion, so definitely high-level grappling, high-level wrestling. I mean, coming out of Eastern Europe, you'd expect it. He switches stances a lot. He fights out of Extreme Couture, great gym. I mean, got a new UFC champion this year. He So this fight's at middleweight. He has his two UFC wins were at light heavyweight. He also has a win versus Ryan Spann, who's a ranked light heavyweight in the UFC. He has that in his past. Um, yeah, he, he has made his debut last year, undefeated prospect. He was 6-0. He got a highlight real head kick knockout four minutes into the first round. 
Um, yeah, then Trevor Giles is just a superior striker, and he uh, leads to put bad fight IQ on the line there. Um, yeah, and so one thing, I like that he's always smiling. Delita, he'll, he'll smile when he gets hit or when he hits, especially, but he's always looking happy. He's always having fun in there. Uh, he, yeah, he, he likes the violence, I believe, because he smiles when he feels it or when he dishes it out. But he has his um, best striking <clears throat> attribute is his leg kicks. He has, he has pretty good leg kicks, which he can land from either side because he switches stances. He does have heavy hands, but hands aren't his specialty, like I said. Um, he's a patient striker. He works kicks from distance to start, and then he can close range and strike into the clinch, get a takedown, at least when he's on his game. He has good dirty boxing. That's probably his best aspect with his hands. He he doesn't have legit KO power. Like, he doesn't have one-punch KO power. He has decent power, but which is probably why it's good that he moved down from light heavyweight, which he wasn't, like, a, he was a medium-sized light heavyweight. Not big, but not too, too small. Maybe a little touch on the small side. But now he's a big middleweight. I mean, <clears throat> and you're looking at a guy in Staropoli here who, this is a short notice, um, he was supposed to fight DiKirko, who I was going to be all over that. DiKirko was being way overvalued as a favorite because of his knockout win over Joaquin Buckley. Lisa was going to be all over him in that fight. I mean, DiKirko is not good. <laughs> um, and I could have got Leeds at plus 100. I was going to have two units on that. Um, but too bad that got canceled. I'm still going to fade to Kiriko in the future. Um, but yeah, Starpoli, he's moving up from welterweight. I mean, I talked about how he fought Salikov in the past. So he's moving up from welterweight because he had trouble making weight, I guess. And in his last fight, missed by a couple pounds. And this is short notice, less time to repair. So they'll say, okay, you'll step in at middleweight. Thanks. But it's a really is a guy who's usually a welterweight versus a guy who has most of his fights at light heavyweight. That's big, and he's uh, it's a 4.5-inch reach advantage for Roman Deliza here. And Starpoli has been susceptible to takedowns and being bullied in the clinch, and now he's facing a guy much bigger than any he's fought in the past. He lets, He's let guys uh, way too far in his hips in the past. I mean, in the UFC, he only has 57 takedown defense, which is not good. Uh, I mean, he's only it's only faced 13 attempts, but six of them have landed. He got taken down repeatedly by Tim Means, who's a good wrestler, a good American wrestler, but, I mean, not a great American wrestler. And Dalid's, I think he's a great Eastern European wrestling wrestler. And, and Eastern European wrestling is different, obviously, than American wrestling. It's, it's better, I think it's better suited to MMA in a lot of ways. Because, I mean, it comes more from combat sambo than just, uh, folk wrestling. But anyway, yeah, I, he's, Starpoli lets guys deep in on his hips. He's able to get back to his feet. He was always able to bounce back up against Tim Means, but Tim Means is more his size, a little taller, similar weight, though, of course. Um, so he's been able to pop back up when he's been taken down a lot. But I, I, and but when he has been, you know, put on his back flat, the scramble stifled, he's not been able to do that. Um, and he was fighting welterweights who were weighing like 185 to 190, not light heavyweights slash middleweights who weigh 205 to 210, like Roman Delides. Um, I, I, yeah, Roman probably weighed 210, 215 at light heavyweight, now 205, 210, I had guess. Um, and also he'll allow people to, you know, hold him in a clinch, like I said, and then they can dirty box him up, hit him with knees, which Roman stays really busy when he has someone being bullied up against the clinch, up against the cage in the clinch. Um, and yeah, he has, uh, he's allowed reactive takedown store pull he has. He allows people to drop down on the clinch. 
he has decent wrestling defense, like I said, once he gets to that point, but he's just allowing people in on his hips way too much. He, but he has good striking. He throws everything into every punch, which coincidentally allows for reactive takedowns. He's a super active striker. He's a tough guy, but his activity slows, and the damage he accumulates um, less, just lessens, but it is telling because of that first round, first half round, really, flurry. And his card, he doesn't gas, but he hasn't really been wrestled, wrestle-fucked, as we say, for uh, a full three rounds. But one thing, also, spinning attacks, just, he should stop. <laughs> he telegraphs them, could definitely get, I could definitely see Roman stepping in, grabbing him when he does that, if he gets red, and taking him down. Um, also, his striking defense, horrible, 53%, and his offense is only 34%, which you want, usually want those numbers to add up to over 100. Like, if it was 34%, you'd be looking for, like, 70% uh, striking defense. He leaves his head far too open for strikes, doesn't get off the center line when he throws, leaves his hands down when exiting the pocket, and doesn't bring his head straight back to his hands when he throws. He's susceptible to the collar tie, doesn't try to fight out of it well enough. And his body just moves into every punch because he throws so hard and with so much intent. I believe he'd be caught that way. Um, means got a head kick knockdown because Starpoli moved his head into the kick. I don't think it was on purpose by Tim Means. He's just, but Starpoli's head was moving that way into the kick, so it hurt him badly. Um, he has throws leg kicks but doesn't commit as hard to them as Roman. I think Starpoli is a better striker by a, a little bit, but Roman's much bigger has much, much better wrestling. Like, it's not even close there. Um, and if Roman fights this one smart, he should win. Uh, what do you think, Mike? Did you have oh, anything yeah. to this? Sorry, I should have. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, def- I definitely have something here. Um, look at Roman's leads. This is his second fight at middleweight after losing that close fight to Trevin Giles in his debut. Uh, I don't think that was a robbery, but... I, I had a delete the ticket that night, and when they were mm-hmm. coming out to to read the decision, I thought we had a chance to cash. Um, Definitely close. Yeah, it was close. But like I said, not a robbery. Yeah, Giles got Giles got his hand raised. It is what it is. Um, and like you said, this is a former light heavyweight. Um, he fought even in his BJJ or grappling days. He was fighting in a, a two hundred twenty pound weight class. He's a big guy, uh, delete. And you know, you talked about it at length. He's taking on a welterweight here. Um, He's got five inches of reach advantage over Staropoli. Um, super strong BJJ pedigree. Heavy kicks. Heavy kicks from Delite. He uses them in combos when he really wants to let loose. Sometimes you'll see him be a little bit more passive, a little bit more patient. But when he's being aggressive, he's throwing his kicks heavily and he's using them in combos. I know, I know you guys love that. Uh, he relies heavily on his takedowns and you know, he's successful when he gets people to the ground. The the pet peeve I have on Delize is these lazy submission attempts. You'll see him just kind Not of just yeah. kind of like go for your heel, go for your leg lock. Like that's not happening in the UFC. This isn't uh, you know, whatever grappling division yeah. you you fought in in the past. You've got I hope to he's learned from yeah. that in the John Allen fight that happened yeah. like a few times. Couldn't get that heel hook kept going to it, shouldn't have. Yeah, and he just he just seems like I said, it just seems like lazy attempts. Like, you know, commit to it or, you know, just stick to top pressure or yeah. gain better p- position, whatever I, you can. I feel like he should have just, he tried it the one time and he, he saw him ask his coach. He said, yeah. should I go for the heel hook? Coach said, yeah, go for that one time. He had it sunk in. Great not to tap by John Allen, but then you don't get it that time. You're probably not going to get it. So stop going for it and giving up your position. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Steropoli, here's a guy. 
like we said, moving up divisions. He's coming off two straight losses. He might be a better pure striker here. Um, he probably has better cardio. That's probably where his advantages end. Um, I don't know. Eight- I think Roman has decent, has fine cardio. Yeah. Although well, maybe cutting weight would might be tough. My bad. Keep going. We'll see. Um, either way, Steropoli is a guy who's kind of taken down at ease in almost every fight, which is going to play right into Roman's hands. This is a great stylistic matchup for Delize. Um If, you know, we'll see how the cardio plays out, but if for whatever reason in the later rounds, if Roman's too tired to get those takedowns, I could see him just being a bully and out-muscling Steropoli, holding him up against the cage, holding him in the clinch, and winning minutes that way. Um, this is one of my favorite spots on the whole card. Probably my favorite that we're talking about tonight. I've got a unit on Roman locked in at minus 140. And to be honest, I'd consider adding to that, depending on how I feel over the next wow, couple of days. That's here. a good Interesting. bet. Yeah, that's a yeah. good bet. So, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um, my only concern is just his fight IQ. If he tries to strike too much with Staropoli, I could, I, I could see him losing a decision, but I, I hope he has learned from the Trevin Giles fight. And he just sticks to resting where he has a clear, clear advantage. So I, I waffled for a bit on this one. I was like, oh, one unit. Oh, I'm already risking a lot of units. And I, I see some, like, reasons it might not be good. So I, I took that, went down to the numbers, crunched them. I came up with 0.9 units. Um, okay. So, yeah, basically pretty pretty close. But, yeah, 0.9 units. At, and I had, so my book, I had minus 135. Let's see if that's still available. That's what I have written down here. Um, best fight odds. Do 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 do. Roman the leads. Yeah, minus one thirty five on bet online. So yeah, point nine units at minus one thirty five. I yeah, yeah. I will say this: this number is suspicious. I don't, I don't see why it's so low on the lead. Say, but yeah, I, can't. I don't. I don't know. I guess recency bias. Because, but Starpoli also has lost. I don't know. Maybe the. I, I really don't know. The the Kiriko one made more sense to me because even though Kiriko sucks. He had a highlight real win last one. This one, I don't know why Starpole is being overvalued, even though he's an underdog. It should be like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a yeah. whole there's a whole chain of um, a chain of events of overhyped fighters, starting with Kevin yeah. Holland through Joaquin Buckley, <laughs> yeah. all the way to the Chirico now. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, lineal overhypedness, <laughs> just like lineal champs. But all right, yeah, another one we're in agreement. I think that's three where we both have the same play. Um. Yeah, so on to the main event of this podcast, which, well, the, the people's main event is Beza versus Bontanibio, but the last fight we'll discuss in this podcast, you should check out part one if you missed it on Rosenstrike versus Sakai. We have, I, I have 1.7 units wagered on that fight. Um, so Walt Harris was hyped. He was a favorite versus Alistair Overeem this time last year, which, it was a tough time for Walt Harris. His daughter was murdered at, just really horrible but he seems i mean i've listened to his interviews trying to see where his head's at and also i just feel for him uh, i check like he had two losses in the year his daughter died but he said he probably wasn't ready to come back hindsight's 2020 um but he was a favorite versus the ream i faded him and well i, I, I like playing the ream as a dog i played the ream cashed even the but Walt Harris did acquitted himself well he just gassed trying to finish over even that first round which a lesser a uh, different ref I won't say lesser I don't like Mergliata but I would think he was right not to stop this one but another referee might have stopped it because the ream was getting hit hard at times but was able to get on his back put his legs up get full guard um and 
Harris was gassed trying to finish him, but he dropped him bad. He had Reem hurt bad, but he just, like I said, gassed, got hurt in that second round ground and pound finish where he ate way too much damage. It was rough to watch. That was a bad stoppage. Um, and then just got, I mean, Volkov, yeah, body kick, knockout, just Solaplex's teep kick, I think it was, that is gonna hurt, especially these big, big heavyweights. But Tybora doesn't have those tools. I mean, you can already see where I'm leaning. I like Walt Harris as an underdog here. He just, he has that power to, I mean, he has that power to knock out Sergei Spivak in 50 seconds. I mean, 12 second knockout versus Olenek. I mean, it's impressive in the way he did it. Um, he beat Arlovsky in a split decision, though it got overturned in no contest. I think it was for weed. Might have been some PED. Um, and you go back. He has he has one of my favorite heavyweight combos. It's actually going around on Twitter. Is him knocking out Chase Sherman. Just beautiful combo. Put it all together really well. Lost to Mark Godbeer, illegal kick. So you can't take that away from him. I mean, you, can, you can't hold it against him as far as skills. Armbarred by Verdum. Not bad, and you go back further. It's split decision loss to Abdurakimov. Head kick loss to Krylov. These guys are ranked. Then a couple other less known guys, Rush Holton, Paleli. But that's what happens at heavyweight MMA. Um, you go back way, way back. Uh, Chris Barnett, who we just saw two weeks ago. Um, Beast Boy, the, the fat guy who spins a lot and does wild stuff, got subbed by Ben Rothwell. But... Yeah, Walt Harris just has that power. And Tybura, if you look at his last fight, he was getting tuned up by Greg Hardy. But Greg Hardy, although a lot of people know him or like him because of his NFL career, you know, he's, I don't like him. He's I mean, a shitty MMA fighter. Yeah. <laughs> he's got he, nothing. He, I mean, he landed a lot. He landed way too much on Tybura. Tybura's defense is less than ideal. And I think if ha- Greg Hardy landed those punches with his power, he would have knocked out Tybura. I mean, Tybura had a streak where he lost four or five in a row. Or four, yeah, not in a row, just four of five. Um, his only win was against Steven Struve, who is recently retired. Um, and his losses, although they were to top competition, Verdum, unanimous decision, then three knockouts. Lewis, knockout, no shame. But Abdurakimov, knockout in the second round, and then a 59 second knockout against Sakai, which Sakai is good, but he, he's not like a one minute KO guy. And, um, usually he doesn't have like, like, you know, legit, uh, heavyweight power. So, Tybura can be put out. He's on this four-fight win streak, which I think has him being overvalued on this line. He got three unanimous decisions, Spivak, Grishin, and Rothwell. Decent wins, not amazing, not ranked guys. Um, Although Spivak's on the up-and-up. Or up-and-coming, I don't know why I said up-and-up. But then Greg Hardy, that's the win that really has most overhyped, just because of the hype on Greg Hardy, because of him being known from playing football. But Greg, Greg Hardy... Tuned him up in round one. Round two got taken down, and Greg Hardy has nothing on the ground. He has no, absolutely no. nothing. No. He got wrestled, got uh, top position, just controlled, and got beaten into a pulp from full mount. Hardy um, just has power in his hands. He has yeah. nothing else. And, yeah, so Tybura, even to do that still, you have to have... And he doesn't even have power. I mean, he has power for normal people, but compared to Walt Harris, he really doesn't. No, uh, like no. Hardy has a fair amount of decisions, um, but yeah. So Tybura has that decent, solid wrestling. You know, he's a solid wrestler. But Harris has much, much better. I mean, he has actual wrestling fundamentals, something that Greg Hardy doesn't have. He and he's just a really explosive guy. 
so powerful, so so fast hand speed, really well put together. I mean, more, much more technical combat combinations than a guy like Hardy. Um, he's a southpaw, so open stance matches up. He's really good at setting up that straighter overhand left. Which is the same thing I talked about with Trinaldo, if you remember. Um, and, and that's the thing we often talk about. So this open stance matchup with Tybura. I mean, Tybura can switch stances, but he's he's mainly a uh, orthodox fighter, and he also likes to have open stance matchups for him to land his inside leg kicks. Um, that helped him a lot in the Rothwell fight to help him take over and win that fight after losing the first round. Um, but he could switch, but either way, I, I like Harris's straight right. I think if he gets... Um, Tybura's chin, and even a quarter as much as as uh, Ray Hardy did, he will find the knockout. Uh, I think it's possible he wins a decision, but he's not really a decision guy. He can gas, but it's possible he wins two rounds and goes to a decision. But he has a seventy-two percent takedown defense. His only sub loss is the Fabricio over Doom. Um, uh, body work has an effective against him, but that's not like a staple of Tybura's game. Tabura, one thing he does, he just shells up. He decides to cover up too much, and Hooks can still sneak around with his hands on the front of his face in that high guard. Um, that le- that has let his opponents punch themselves out, which is one thing I worry about with Harris, of course. Like with versus Hardy, Hardy pu- started punching himself out by just bouncing off of Tabura's guard. But Harris has a better striking, analytical mind for striking, and he can... If he sees Tybura shell up, I fully expect him to just throw a left hook instead of a left straight and get around that guard, catch him on the ear. Um, yeah, I mean, talk, talk about his ground and pound. Uh, Tybura doesn't deal with pressure really well. He gets backed up to the fence too much. Um, he tries to go diagonally, but he'll still get backed up, especially in a small cage like this, against anyone who's decent at all at cutting cage, which I, Harris, he's not super known for his pressure, but he... He has a decent pressure game when he's uh, on the front foot, when he decides to be. Um, um, Tybura's main advantage here is cardio. I don't think the wrestling will be enough uh, to get Harris down unless he's gassed. I think Tybura has to outlast him, you know, escape that first round and a half where Harris is a huge KO threat and get to the later rounds um, and, yeah, just out-cardio him. Uh, Even though he has... Good stuff like deep kick, inside leg kick I mentioned, uh, uh, straight, right, or left, depending on what side he's on. Um, good jab. Not amazing, but a good jab, setting things up. Um, lead hooks, which he likes from close stance matchups when he switches stances. It just depends what opponent he's versus when he decides if he's going to be southpaw or orthodox. Uh, yeah, I, so uh, clearly I, I I like Harris here. Um, the, I think he's being undervalued. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say the community money has went uh, all across the board to, towards Tibera. Yeah, and I I like that. I liked Harris before. Uh, what it was he started at like minus one thirty. I like him even more now. Where you can get him sports bet, you can get him at minus one. Uh, sorry, plus one fifty eight. You can get him at plus one fifty on stuff like Bet Online. Um, plus one fifty five on five dimes. So I like yeah, him. Yeah, he he's so, went, he's went everywhere from like one thirty or one forty up to one fifty, one fifty five or whatever it is. You know what I mean? The yeah. ads have grown on him uh, the whole time. Like I, I yeah. don't I don't understand how like if you look across the board at Ty Burra, that uh, 
it, you know, he's become more and more of a favorite. But that's uh, that's community money, you know, just people, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I mean, some people like fading, going with the public. Some people like fading the public. I prefer to bet my own way, but I do sometimes like when I can fade the public when it just lines up that way on a guy I think is overhyped because of a win streak or underhyped because of a losing streak, which is what we have here. Um, well, so I debated how to bet this. I wanted somewhat to bet Harris KO round one. It's not at a high enough odds. It's in the plus 300s. But KO itself, for a guy who almost exclusively wins by KO, is you can get him at plus 275, even plus 300 if you have inner tops. I have no idea what that book is. But I got him at plus 270 on sports bet for t- TKO KO. But I'm not going all in on that. So I'm splitting this up. A uh, total of one unit. A quarter of the unit is on that uh, KO prop at plus 270. Um, and then three quarters of it is on the money line at plus 158. So that's my bet. Uh, sorry, uh, Mike, you have, what do you, do you have any bet here or, or just what do you think? I don't have much to add here. Um, I don't love this fight overall. You got a couple of, Older yeah. guys. Um, Harris lately has looked like he might be closer to the end than Tibera. Um, he's been in a ton of wars, taking a lot of damage. But, I mean, Tibera's been knocked out a lot of times, too. So, you know, you can't put too much stock in that. Uh, I think the key for Harris really is just going to be avoiding that early cardio dump that he's been yeah. susceptible to a lot of times. My big worry. Because if he runs out of gas early in this fight, he's in there with one of the best wrestlers in the heavyweight division. And Tibera's just going to smother him. Um, but I do, um, I do think Harris is live to get that early knockout, you, you know, anytime in the first, what, seven, eight minutes, probably. Um, that one Arlovsky fight, which ended up in no contest where Harris went the distance and got the, got the, uh, was a split decision win. Yeah. That's really an anomaly on his resume. And, you it know, is. you got to hope he can find something from that fight. Yeah. And kind of be a little more patient. A little more measured in this one. Um, ultimately, I'm going to pass, but um, I didn't even look at the props. That KO for Harris at plus 270. That's pretty juicy. I like yeah. the sound of that. Um, I'm going to have to take a look at that. But but for now, I'm going to be passing. No plays on this one. Um, about Arlovsky, just like like I mentioned this earlier with Tanner Bozer. Just that's what, I mean, Tanner Bozer is more of a decision guy. That's what he does. He gets guys to fight at his pace. And even some people have thought he has a compromised chin, but... He stays in there with big punchers and, and can get the win or go to a decision. Which I guess you got to give a lot of credit to um, Tom Aspinall. Tom Aspinall there. Yeah. I think he's a great prospect. He's so great. I love yeah. him. He's the best. I, I say he's the only, like, actually, like, there's heavyweights that can just punch and then there's good heavyweights. He's the only good heavyweight outside of, like, the top seven, six or seven. Yeah, I mean, and most of the guys in the top six or seven aren't even good. Yeah, Chris Dawkins gets a lot of hype for the young guy. Uh, Spivak. Yeah, I like Aspinall better, uh, better than those guys. I think he's going to be a really serious problem. I hope one day we get a Aspinall versus Cyril Gaon uh, heavyweight <laughs> championship title fight. Hey, I'm here yeah, for yeah. it. Yeah, I'm also I like. I mean, Volkov, Volkov, um, Gaon, and Aspinall are the three. Uh, well, and Stipe, but he's almost done. Those three guys are the really technical kickboxers at heavyweight. The they also have ground games to back it up, but uh, I digress. We digress. Right. That that's our hey, card. Hey, um, you know, you know what time it is now? Since yep. we finished the card, 
It's time to walk the dog. Val, you want to go first, or you want to let our guests go first? No. Oh, well, I'll I'll be a gracious host and let a guest go. Let my guests go first. So, what's what's your favorite dog on this card? Even if you don't have a play on it, you don't have to say you're actually betting it. But what's your favorite dog? So this is this is a chalkier card than normal for me. I'm not going with big favorites, but I've got you know 120, 130, 140, that kind of stuff all over the place. The one dog that I will have a play on. Um, although I haven't locked it in yet because I'm still monitoring this line, but it's going to be Pueyes in the in the opener against Jordan Levitt. Mm-hmm. All right, sounds good. Soft, do you want to go? Um, I'm going to go. Uh, the this card is loaded with dogs I like. Yeah, but I'm going to go with uh, Ponzanibia just because I disagreed with you guys. That'll be my dog. <laughs> Baiting us. All right, we'll see how that works out. And yeah, for me, I mean, there's there's a lot. I, what do I have? I have like four dog plays on this card. Three or yeah, four dog the, plays on this card. It's full of dogs, Paris, dude. That are Trinaldo, good. Ronaldo, and Patrick. So okay, three dog plays. Um, yeah. So of those, um, the one I think is most likely to get it done is Walt Harris. But I think the best value is Trinaldo. So I'll now screw it. Harris, uh, uh, Harris. Yeah, my dog. I it's not about value; it's about picking the dog. Well, about, but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, Harris should be a favorite in my opinion, a slight favorite, but a favorite nonetheless. All right, and now uh, there'll be a pussy parlay. Yeah. We usually do a five leg parlay, Mike. I'll, sh- I'll, I'll show you how it's done. Um, so for me, I'm going with Jardino Rosenstrike, Miguel Baeza, Roman Leeds. Tom Brees and and Walt Harris. Screw it. I'll add a dog in there. That's my five leg. Don't be a pussy parlay. Okay. I'm going to go outside the box. I'm not going to put any of my official plays in here. Okay. Uh, Um, Yeah, that's that's the true spirit of don't be a pussy pot. (laughs) Yeah. Let's, Let's go Mason Jones. Montana De La Rosa, um, over two and a half on Woodson Zalal. Mm-hmm. Under two and a half on Baeza Ponzinibbio, which I mentioned that one, but yeah. my official play for that one is, is, is Baeza. But I do like that under two and a half also at that price. Um, and then for my fifth leg, let's go Tom Breeze. Okay. All right, and soft. All right, I'm going to go with Rosenstrike, Breeze, Ponzinibbio. Um, uh, let me see. Uh, Latifi and Big Dog. Uh, let me see. And Woodson. Okay. All right. Well, uh, that's the. Oh, actually, I guess I should uh, sum up my bets. Um, including the first part, although I said told people to go look at the first part. If you missed it, I'll still say it here. So my bets on this card, not in order, are Rodriguez Todorovic under one and a half plus one hundred five for half a unit. Miguel Baeza um, minus one eighteen for one unit. Minus one eighteen. Rosenstrike money line one point seven units at minus one sixteen. Walt Harris money line plus one fifty eight for three quarters of a unit. Point seven five units. Harris knockout line plus two seventy five for a quarter of a unit. Roman the Leeds money line minus one thirty five for point nine units. 
Francisco Trinaldo money line plus 211 for 0.75 units. And last but not least, Alan Patrick money line plus 250 for half a unit. All uh, in all, eight bets, though two of them are both on Harris. All right, Mike and, and keep an eye out on the Twitter because I'm, yeah, I'm going to monitor lines. I'm seriously considering adding Dusko to that. Right, I want to know if Mike has his uh, his roundup handy if he wants to lay him out as well. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I announced last week on the show two units on Rosenstroke. I locked that in at one thirty. Uh, we had talked a lot about yeah. that line movement. It has bounced around a little. It hasn't really got much higher than that. But um, we did see some resistance once it started to go Sakai's way. Um, anyway, beyond that, um, I'll have a unit each on. Woodson minus 175, Dulize minus 140, under 2.5 on Breeze and Ahoyo, minus 130, um, Baeza minus 120. Um, I haven't made it official yet, but I'm going to have, like I said, a half unit, 0.6 units on Puelez. And then also keeping an eye on Dusko. And I'll continue to track uh, Kirk, but I don't see that line getting back to a spot where I'm going to feel comfortable. Uh, taking the dog play there all right all right sounds good um uh, let me just add, end this uh, i guess by shouting out you were reluctant to do it last week but i'll, I'll endorse you go <laughs> on twitter check out at strong and jacket uh i mean spelled if you know english you know how to spell that stronger is it for sale follow costa endorsed don't just approve <laughs> right it's strong and jacket ufc picks yeah, so that's the full out. name. Um, and Mike, uh, Val and I started this, and we didn't. Uh, we were just doing it because we love doing it. But you really bring you bring your A game, and good. We'd love to have you back again. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's been fun. Um, I'd love to join you guys again sometime. No question. All right, sweet. Yeah, right, this is good fun. And we ran a little long. We've been trying to shorten it, but this is just such a big card with so much value on it. it yeah, be avoided, there, really. yeah, there was a lot of stuff here, dude. Yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah, there's three of us. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, you uh, thank you, Mike, very much. Um, this has been a significant strike. I still don't have outro music, but we'll figure it out. That's, That's becoming it. our outro music, just saying we don't have it. Alright, peace. <laughs> Alright, thanks. Alright.